Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Why would you bring this chair down? I think I brought that chair down last week. Dennis, why would you bring that chair down? Anyway. <laughs> this so, is what my, was your question? my leaping yes. question is uh, he leaps into the body yep. of a person who's alive. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that person goes while he's in there. But then when he leaps out again, does the person have a memory of what just happened? So that's so first off to clarify, uh, he doesn't leap into their body. Oh, okay. He physically replaces them and everybody just sees the aura of the person that he's placed surrounding them. Okay. So if he leaps into a blind man, he can still see. Oh, okay. Yeah. If he leaps into a woman, he is physically there and he's got all of his equipment. Got it. Yes. But they see, yeah. Uh, the, the, the person that he replaced leaps into the future and hangs out in a room at Project Quantum Leap called the Waiting Room, where... He, for the most part, he looks like Sam. They have a Swiss cheese memory just like Sam does. And we, we've had debates before about do they have any memory when they leak back? And, and, and more or less, no. At one point, yeah, at one point, I think the creator of the show actually did say something at a fan convention where the idea was is that when they, like, replaced him that they did get an idea of some of what had happened while they were gone. Okay. So in other words, they would kind of get a little bit of Sam's memories from that time while Sam was there so that they wouldn't just come back and be like, the hell happened for the past week? Right. You know? Um, well, especially in the case of the last... We're not recording yet, are we? Yeah. Are we? Oh, okay. oh, we're, we're, we're in. Um, uh, like, here was this guy who was, like, clearly a bigot. It's like, Sam... Tried to be like, don't talk like that around me. Talking about like, so help me God, yeah. Yeah, is he still gonna be like a big giant bigot when he comes back, or is he gonna be like changed a little? That's a, re- I mean, that is a fantastic question. It's a valid question, and I don't think it's something we'll ever get to know the answers to. Although one of the devices that they do start to put into the show a little bit more that that was absent from So Help Me God, and I wished it would have been there, uh, was absent from Catch Fall and Star Two, is that. Al would sometimes appear at the end of the episode right before Sam leaped out and Al would sort of say, oh, so-and-so went on to do this, this, and this, or, you know, they live their life like this, or they... So it would kind of give you a, a, a bit of a, a bow on it, you know, and let you know that this is what happened. Um, but that doesn't happen in every episode, especially early on. It became more of a regular device as the show went on. Um, so you would get an idea, at least, of, like, where things were going, but you don't ever see really what happens to anybody afterwards, except for there are a couple mm-hmm. of rare occurrences where it does happen, where there's like a sequel, but that's Did he leap really back? Rare. Does he ever leap back into the same person? There it is, yes. Yeah, there there's, is oh, there's one case where, yeah, a yeah. couple of seasons, he, he comes back and he returns to someone's life. But, yeah, but it gets, the episode itself gets kind of weird, and, and I mean that in a good way, because I actually like the episode, I know there's some people that don't, but it, it starts off kind of being like a regular sort of leap, and then you realize, I mean, I guess kind of early-ish, you realize that one of the characters is not exactly who they seem to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
we, we keep the episodes relatively spoiler free in case anybody is watching. Oh, okay. Like watching along watching with us. Yeah, yeah. 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 Gotcha. Uh, so uh, speaking of those people listening in, hello. 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 Hi. Yeah. <laughs> We've been trying this thing the last couple episodes just sort of by accident of sort of doing like a bit of a cold open, if yeah. you will. Um, we hope you're enjoying it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to leave the bit about Jessica complaining about the chair or not. It's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I might. I might just do yeah. it. That was uh, my fault. I brought it down. But welcome to uh, Fate's Wide Wheel, and we're here at Project Quantum Leap discussing the episode Catch a Falling Star. Um, and we are joined today by our guests, uh, returning uh, my wife Jessica Conger, and then our friend Brooke Allen. Brooke? Would you like to say hello? Hello, Quantum Leap fans <laughs> that are part of a Quantum Leap fan club. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I, uh, I watched this show because my older brother was watching it when I was a kid, and that's the last I ever saw of it until the other night. Until, until, until it resurfaced. <laughs> yeah. Until Dennis <laughs> made me do it. You guys have like books about it? Oh, we yeah, do. Yeah, I do. I do. I have a few. And and Dennis, actually, funny story, the book that Dennis is holding, Beyond the Mirror Image, An Observer's Guide to Quantum Leap by Matt Dale, was uh, actually a wedding gift for me mm-hmm. uh, that he bought for me, and he specifically told me not to open it until after we got back from our honeymoon. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Betsy lost me for a couple weeks after, after I bought this book. Just it, reading, yeah. It is exhaustive. And it's kind of funny yeah. because we... I mean that in a good way. When we first met, uh, early on, it came up that we both liked Quantum Leap because Dennis had some of the DVD box sets, and so we talked about it a little bit, and he knew I liked it, I knew he liked it. And then we realized, oh, no, 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 you don't just like it, you love it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I clued him into when the Blu-rays were coming out, and he got me this book. And it's kind of like we've always been on a path the towards path doing to, the podcast. Yes, so. yeah. Uh, but speaking of paths, uh, so I met Brooke because she wrote a show that I was in. Mm-hmm. I um, totally forgot that yeah. connection. Yeah, that yeah. you directed. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, yes, yeah. No, no, no. But yeah, yeah, no, 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 no yeah. I, I remember directing the show. Yeah, I totally forgot that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was which was, was which, yeah, show. it really. That was, was one of the, the things that I am I am most proud of that, that I've worked on. And I, and I'm yeah. and I'm and I'm bummed because I feel like not enough people saw it. Yeah, because it was part, it was it was part of a weird ten minute play festival where some of the plays were more like thirty minutes, and so and, people and, like and your piece was 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 like smack in the middle of the second act. And yeah. I don't know how many times you went back and saw the show. I saw it twice afterwards. Uh, same here, but I, I heard that more and more audiences left at the first act because the first act ran. So yeah. Long. Well, there was one piece in the first act that wasn't so good, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like that was a play. I I don't think I'd even met you until I'd seen you. Yeah. In it. No. And that was one of those plays where it's like, as a playwright, you nervously just like cross your fingers and hope everyone got it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, at the end, I was like, that wow, was like perfect. Yeah. That was so that was really I was so happy. I just remember being like gushing and being like, thank you, David. <laughs> <laughs> it was thank fun. So and it was a, yeah because yeah. it was uh, it was a it was a relatively straightforward piece yeah. and a festival of weird. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was. Which almost made it the weird piece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, you know, honestly, like, I, I have to say, too, and, and it's interesting because sometimes you get the opportunity to work on shows that are like two and a half, three hours long. You're doing yeah. Shakespeare, you're doing this or whatever. And this was, it was, I think we were like 12 to 13 minutes long. Um, 
And I honestly think that it's probably one of the things that I'm most proud of. Aww. And certainly, like, in Chicago, I, it's the thing I'm most proud of. Like, I've done a few of the things, like, other places that I was like, yeah, that was great or whatever. But this was something that I was just like, man, all right. Cool. For me personally, like, there are some shows that I've been involved in since I got here that I thought were, like, really good shows. But I was sort of like, eh, I kind of sucked. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. but, like, but, but this was something where I was just like... All right, we got this. It was this. A, fun mm-hmm. to write. It was sort of an easy to write. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, in the sense that it just came quickly, and I was done with it. And I was like, well, I'm, wow, did it a good job? Yeah. Yeah. For those of us who weren't there, ninety nine percent. It was a short piece uh, about uh, a guy who was who was about ready to abandon his his family, and he's basically telling his infant child like why why he's about to crawl out the window after putting him to bed yeah. like, doing it by way of telling a fairy tale of King Charlie I think yeah. it is yep. yeah King King Charlie was once in a rock band and then yeah. he met a woman and then played at the double door played at the double door <laughs> no yeah. longer there uh, but, right. but by the end he just collapses and grabs the baby and yeah. gushes yeah and it was cool because one of the things that it, the, each um each piece was inspired by uh, a song off of the album OK Computer by Radiohead. That was yeah. like, the idea of the cycle. And your song was No Surprises, which yeah. is one of my favorite songs on oh, that cool. album, too. So I was just sort of like, oh, this is well, great. Well, I didn't know everyone else was going to do sci-fi. And that song sort of had like um, like a lullaby yeah. strain mm-hmm. in it. I even played Which you ended up playing the intro. Yeah. 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 And so I wanted something with a baby. And then, and then there it was. But I was surprised, too, because I saw the rest of the festival, and I was like, oops. <laughs> you know the thing is, though, is that there, was, there were so many people though that, that that had really nice things to say about it, including like Dan, for instance. And since the I mean, since the project was kind of you know he was the one that was sort of like yeah. shepherding everything sure. into yeah. existence in a way. You know, it, it certainly had his stamp of approval. I know he was really okay. excited about it. And, uh, some other people said yeah. the same thing. So some of the other company members and stuff. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. So here well, we all are. This has been a great podcast. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was a little nerve wracking though, I have to say, because I was the only person on stage for the bulk of the thing. Yeah. You know, me and a rubber baby. But uh, <laughs> apparently, I did a better job than um, you know Bradley Cooper and American Sniper. So I'm happy about that. Oh, oh. that baby! <laughs> I heard about that baby, and then yeah. I went back and watched, and I was like, oh. I just watched that scene. I haven't seen the whole movie, but I did watch you that. You watch stuff like scene. that, and you're like, wasn't there one person How did that somewhere happen? that was like? So basically, I read like what, what had happened was is that on the day that they were shooting, their their primary baby was sick that they were going to use. Mm-hmm. the 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 other baby wasn't available, and Clint Eastwood was was just like a very practical like 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 no, we're not gonna we're not gonna shift around the shooting schedule. We're not gonna do anything here. Here's a rubber baby bouncing the arm up and down. Just, yeah. just do it. I guess the thing for me is that, like, so I grew up, and this will tie into our, our thing today, yeah. but I grew up in, in the summers in Summerstock Theater, and because my parents ran a Summerstock Theater. Oh, nice. And it's like, things would happen. Like, I remember one time during Jesus Christ Superstar, one of the apostles got the stomach flu and couldn't go on. And we're like, there's only 11 apostles. And we, like, threw my stepdad <laughs> and a robe and, like, shoved him on stage. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he just, like, carried a loaf of bread around. Like, that kind of stuff happens, like, in Summerstock Theater, but, like, in in Hollywood, you imagine that there's time to go oh, find a baby somewhere. Baby somewhere yeah. Big <laughs> budget, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not summer stock. Like you don't have to. Just uh, Clint Eastwood, do you know, he once talked to a chair for twenty minutes, so he was probably like, you know, <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> no one's paying attention sure. to the baby. Yeah, I, I actually, in, in all fairness, as an artist, I actually do like Clint Eastwood quite a lot. I think he's a great director. <laughs> 
as, yeah, as but not always, a great props designer. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, funny enough, as we've sat here and talked about anything but Quantum Leap, this actually does lend itself well to the conversation we're about to have about the episode because it does take place... Uh, theater. Theater. theater, theater, yeah, theater. Uh, and in fact, does it? Um, our <laughs> our episode is entitled "Catch a Falling Star." Um, it was indeed, uh, wait, where am I? Directed by uh, Donald Belisario um, and written by Paul Brown. Uh, the leap date is May twenty first, nineteen seventy nine. Our air date is December the sixth, nineteen eighty nine, and Sam has leapt into Ray Hutton, the understudy uh, for the role of Cervantes. And, uh, that's what's the TV guy? The TV guy description is talk about impossible dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it does. (laughs) An understudy for a body stage veteran in a way off Broadway production of The Man of La Mancha, Sam meets a woman he loved when she was too old for him in his real life, but who's now the stage partner and friend of the actor he's leaped into. Well, how about that? And that is going to lead into an interesting conversation that we've already touched on in a couple of previous episodes. Jessica, I think you know what we're talking about. When we get to that part, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, and I'm just going to see what you women say, because I'm just interested in your opinion before before we interject and start talking Uh about it. Yeah. I bet I know where you're going with that. Yeah. So before we get there, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so as as has become the standard, and one of the things that we've talked about, the the uh, leap out from the previous episode tends to be a fairly condensed version of the leap in. So the scene that we get at the very top of this episode is actually uh, a little bit longer than what we get at, at the end of the last episode, which is notable for the fact that it's well, quite frankly, it's very noticeable. Yeah. Um, because there are things that happen in the extended scene that make continuity not really match up in the previous episode's leap out. Sure. Such as the mustache getting ripped off and, you know, put back on and that sort of stuff. Uh, but we see, a, you know, a maybe director, maybe even stage manager, maybe producer, some sort of theatrical fellow mm-hmm. uh, in a managerial capacity who runs in and says... 50 seconds! Um, <laughs> and uh, who reminds me a lot of Martin Short in this particular scene, honestly. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, and while Sam is getting made up in the chair and, uh, you know, eventually, you know, fish out of water expression on his face, but eventually he gets pushed out uh, into the wings and, you know, he's given the book and he's got the cape on and he's getting ready to go up the stairs and uh, we get we get our oh boy moment. Yeah. Or, yeah, break a leg, you're on. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that would never happen because... It's the start of the show, right? That was the yeah, very that was first. the top of the show. Yeah, so the stage manager is going to call places, and the the PA, the production assistants backstage, are going to let the stage manager know once everyone's there. They're not going to just like let the show start with an actor like still down in the dressing room. Yeah. They're going to hold the house. In theory, in theory, true. Yes. But do you happen to recall a time when? Uh, David Allen Anderson threw out his back on Christmas Carol and an understudy by the name of Sam Fain was <laughs> called to go on and was pacing around downstairs because they were still getting a costume together for him and it was a student matinee so they couldn't hold, hold the house too, too long. long. So, yeah, like, but they wouldn't have like opened the curtains or whatever well, without knowing the actor was standing right there. Sure. Although, extenuating circumstances, Mr. O'Malley, our real star of the show, is drunk. That's true. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was Maybe it was sort of touch and go whether or not he could have been sitting down there waiting, and they were like, all right, no, you're good. No, we, mm-hmm. no, we do need you. I yeah. think what I thought was even funnier is that this, like, Syracuse off, like, not way off Broadway, I mean, it's in Syracuse. Right. 
performance of Man of La Mancha has like thousands of people in the audience and it has understudies for every role and there's a mm-hmm. makeup artist. Yeah, really yes. nice costume. Like, has wow. a pretty good set. Box yes. seats. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, understudy rehearsals going on. I was like, this is a major Syracuse production. Although yeah. she was cast, it seemed like... The, one of the understudies after the show had already opened. Well, yeah. it makes me, but there is a question actually though. Does it ever get explicitly stated or is it just hinted at that this is actually a touring production? So they're not, like, based in Syracuse, that it's actually a touring production. Because I think that one of, like, O'Malley says something at one point, or you get the idea at the opening night party, which is not really opening night, but it's opening night for Syracuse. Oh, And that they've true. been actually working on this show for so a while. they're casting local people, maybe, as the... That was the, that was the vibe that I got. And he's clearly very famous, so uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, I don't know that it's ever explicitly stated. But that, that, that makes sense what they say that, yeah, that Ray, the person that Sam has leaped into, yeah. has been, he's been touring with not just this show, but other but shows. But other shows as well, yeah. Which is also funny, because one of the things that, this I know is going a little out of order, but it made me think of it, is I love Al's moment about saying that, like, how Ray's in the waiting room entertaining everybody singing songs from, like, Oklahoma. various musicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oklahoma oh, yeah. being one. Uh, but anyway, so Sam thinks he's about to go on, we get the opening credits, and then we come back. Uh, that's when John shows up. Or not John. Uh, yeah. John O'Malley. John O'Malley. Oh, I got confused. Played by John, John Cullum. Cullum. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I have to say, when he was like standing there about to go on, and he was like, you you know, one second. And I, I turned to Sam, and I was like, oh, I've, I've had this dream before. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. all the, the actor's nightmare. The, 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 yeah, the stereotypical actor's nightmare, in case anyone listening doesn't know, is like, you, you're you afraid you're going to go on for a show that you're not prepared for. You're on stage, and I got the stuff yeah. things happening around you. And yeah. yeah. You have no idea what even the show is. is yeah. My actor's nightmare, my variation, on it is that I am in the remount of a show that I've done previously and I got cocky and I thought well I don't need studying my lines I've done the show before and we get to opening night and I'm about ready to walk on stage and I realize I don't know my lines (laughs) because I never looked at them because I thought I had them that's my variation yeah I had the actor's nightmare come true once I walked on stage yeah, I did very little acting, but I definitely played a bunny in Bambi at the Summerstock Theater, <laughs> and it was, we did children's shows in the daytime, and I walked on stage and just forgot every single thing, the whole entire scene, and then I just, so I walked on stage and I went, hi Bambi, and the actor goes, hi, and I, and I went, well, bye, and I hopped off stage, and I got backstage, and I was like, I don't know what just happened, and then the guy was like, I wish the rabbit had stayed. I would have told her that my mother died and blah, blah, blah. But I just remember being backstage and he came running off for a quick change and he's like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And thus ended my acting career. Oh, man. So I don't have the actor's nightmare anymore because I lived through it. You lived through it, yeah. You you absolved yourself and then, yeah. But it sort of like turns into the, it goes from the actor's nightmare in this episode to like the actor's sort of wet dream, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Uh, so, so yeah, so so John shows up and, and, and shoves off, and everybody's like, oh, sorry, maybe maybe next time. One of my favorite moments is when he rips off Sam's mustache. Yeah. Imposter. And, yeah, 
but then just like throws it away. Like he doesn't need the mustache. <laughs> he doesn't go on with the mustache. He puts it on stage. That's the thing. Like, later on, like, like 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 later when they cut to like when when Al says, "Oh, you need to watch him. He's brilliant." Yeah. He starts to sing, uh, "I am Don Quixote." Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, he has he has a mustache and he has a goatee on. Right at, at that point, which is already. which is the tradition for the for the for the musical is that obviously the, you know the actor that plays Cervantes slash Don Quixote he does he ends up putting on the thing you know, yeah. the stuff like yeah. on stage and it's interesting too because later in the episode when Sam you know does finally go on spoilers uh, he uh, he he has more of like a beard and a full like yeah. you, you know facial sure. hair thing than just the mustache but yeah I just thought that that was really interesting it's like they give him the money and the only thing that I can rationalize is because Ray is so much younger mm-hmm. than John O'Malley that they decided that they wanted to age him up. Or they got to do something. Cutting yeah. out some of the business when you put an understudy on. Sometimes you kind of pare down what they have to do. Sure. So they, you know, have less to remember in the moment. So maybe they were like, "Well, don't you don't worry about getting yourself ready. Like just we're gonna put that you're on. You're just yeah. already ready." Yeah. But so it's interesting to know before John shows up, there is a shot of uh, the actor who we're going to learn is, is Michelle. Dancing across the stage as Dulcinea. Yes. And even though it's a it's a few moments before we're introduced to her, you can see the character Nicole standing on the other side in the wings. Which is a shot that they reuse at the end of the episode. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yes. They reuse that same shot at the end yeah. of the episode. Only it, it doesn't, doesn't work because Nicole's on stage. Stage. Yes. <laughs> anyway, TV shows saving money. Wait, well, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, at the yeah. very end of the episode they actually reuse that shot so that it you can see Nicole in the purple dress in the wings uh-huh. and it's like the same people in the boxes and yeah. everything. But at this point Nicole is supposed to be the oh, one right. who's on yeah. stage performing. <laughs> so they just reuse the yeah. same Watching that, like, eh, they, anyway, we're jumping way ahead. <laughs> so, uh, so John, John shows O'Malley. up. He starts the performance. He does. So this is when Al and Sam are backstage, and Al is telling Sam Ray's story. and how much Sam, and how much Al loves theater and that sort yeah. of stuff. Real quick, I love yeah, uh, roar of the grease paint, smell of the crowd. Yeah, you got that backwards. Well, you never did summer stuff. You never did summer stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, which is. I forgot about Al. When he showed up, I was like, what is this? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it took me the longest time. I was like, what's happening? And I watched it with a friend of mine, and she's like, that's Al. He's, he helps. And I was like, all right. Yeah. All right. It's, you know, it is interesting because we've talked about this a bit without what, what, what would come to be known as the saga cell. There are things that you don't get, whereas the the opening narration where Sam is talking about, oh, leaping around through time, sets up what he does, but it doesn't set up where he comes from necessarily, or Al, or any of that, whereas the saga cell, which is coming soon, fans, don't worry, uh, will actually say he is aided by a hologram from the future, his friend Al, you know, it actually tells you everything you need to know and then gets you into the episode really nicely. Um, but at this point, yeah, it's interesting because I think you're the second or third person that has sort of yeah. mentioned, like... Well, like, our, our guest, uh, Kathleen, <laughs> that we had on a couple weeks ago, she had never seen an episode at all. Uh-huh. Anything. And so when Al shows up, she was like, oh, oh, all right, guardian angel type <laughs> yeah. person, sure. Yeah. Got an iPhone. Sure. And then she was like, wait, this, this was done, like, 30 years ago. Why does he have an iPhone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's from the future? So yeah. Al, yeah, yeah. So his story is like he, he is actually in in the present. He just stands in a room called the imaging chamber that <laughs> that simultaneously projects his holographic image back into the past with Sam, and it also projects a hologram of everything in Sam's present around him, gotcha. so that he can interact with him. Gotcha. Yeah. So he's a real flesh and blood person, just existing in the future. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and and in this particular scene, it's interesting because it, it it does kind of play into that idea that oh, Al knows everything, and you know, for every episode he learns a new skill or something like that. But it is interesting that we get this information that he was Al an amateur actor, was an amateur actor. Yeah. But the reason why he was is because he used that to get out of the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a really cool little touch. Like I liked I liked that idea that like this was something he could do so they didn't have to be in the orphanage all day. It's mm-hmm. like he went and did you know. Did some theater. There's a lot I don't know about Al. I, I didn't know that either. That was an orphanage. I missed that. Uh, they yeah. dropped that in just a couple episodes ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because his. Because yeah. Again, the building blocks of it. It's interesting to see. And I. I know. Apologies, Brooke, Jessica, it doesn't mean as much to you, but as the, the progression, sort of the arc for Al's character, like the information we've learned so far this season, for instance, is, you know, how many times he's been married. Uh, he's a retired admiral. Retired yeah. admiral, yeah, in the Navy, that his sister um, uh, died uh, in a in mental institution, um, and uh, she was mentally handicapped, and that, uh, that, that his father was like a construction worker and went to do this project in the Middle East and left them both in an orphanage and you know all sorts of interesting stuff sure. and that you know and that Al was he was an astronaut raised in an orphanage wow <laughs> so like we yeah we, we, Al's cool. we've learned a lot about Al this season right. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so so yeah so we get this information that he did theater sure. at some point to get out of the orphanage and so and that, that yeah. Ray is, is a touring actor mm-hmm. and it's at about this point looking across the wings Sam spots Nicole and through some dialogue we learn that Nicole was Sam actual Sam's uh, piano teacher mm-hmm. when he was when he was a teenager and it was his first uh, piece of being in love is or it, puppy love is it common for Sam to run into people from his own life when he leaves I think this is only the second time right? um, when's the first time before Donna Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He runs into the woman that he was supposed to marry, and she ended up leaving him at the altar. Uh, yeah. So this is the second time, and it's a former, yeah, uh, a former lover. Or no, 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 piano teacher. Right. Sorry, yeah. Nicole and Ray were former <laughs> lovers. Yes. yes. Whoa, that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was already creepy enough, Dennis, about you. <laughs> and it's neat too, though, because this does sort of play into the fact that Sam was a piano player, which is something that we learned a few episodes back about how sure. you know he played and he was something of a you know prodigy growing up and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, so we now we get a face to the to the faceless, nameless piano teacher. But yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. He played Carnegie Hall yeah. when he was 16 years old. Yeah, which basically means she taught him until he was 15, and then she left to go to study at Juilliard. And a year later, he played Carnegie, Carnegie Hall when he was 16 Syracuse. years old, <laughs> yeah. doing Syracuse. And I know we're jumping ahead here, but one of the things I forgot, she can't, she doesn't remember. Yeah, yeah, because like later on in the scene, like he starts playing his old warm-up song, hoping that she'll like get a cue. Right, and she basically says like, "Oh yeah, one of my students." used yeah. to play that but I've had so many students I don't remember yeah I don't remember that prodigy that went to Carnegie Hall right yeah right. I know it is yeah, yeah. What do you so do? anyway so they, they see do? each other across from the wings and they recognize each other but Sam recognizes her as his piano teacher she recognizes him because they went to Juilliard together Nicole and Ray went to Juilliard together and we're going to find were, out here in a little bit they were they were lovers for a time indeed mm-hmm. um, oh and and, but, don't, and Sam thinks that for a minute, Sam's like, she sees me. She knows yeah. who I am. She knows it's me. Yeah. Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. 
<laughs> Bless your heart. And this is also where Al tells him the mission, right? That he's got to stop John from going yeah, on. Yeah, so three days him. benefit performance. He's going to do a Gerald Ford impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> Off of the stairs. The second time this season we got a reference to, to Gerald, Gerald Ford. Ford's yeah. yeah, yeah, to to falling off the stairs My and literally I, breaking his leg. We watched it last night, and she was like, "It's usually a little more of an exciting plot than this." Yes. <laughs> yeah. She's like, "This is a strange episode," and I don't know because I haven't seen it all, but mm-hmm. she's like, "This it's usually like a little more involved than just like." catch a guy who's gonna fall. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely this true. Was, yeah. I didn't really like this one so much. I thought it, there was a lot of creepiness and also the plot was very thin, but yeah. I think it was, there were a couple things I did really like that we'll talk more about later, but it did seem like it was just a vehicle yes. for him to sing. Sing. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we should, we like, should note, like, in, 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 Scott Bacula was yeah. like to play Don Quixote yeah. and here's how well, he's yes. gonna do it. I was, we were texting <laughs> back and forth last night. Like, uh, yeah. for anyone who, who may not know, uh, Scott Bakula actually was an accomplished Broadway performer mm-hmm. before Quantum Leap. He had been nominated for a Tony uh, a year or two before Quantum Leap began. Yeah, for Romance, Romance, mm-hmm. which was like uh, I understand it was like it was like a critical favorite, but a financial flop. Yeah, uh, but he still got nominated for a Tony. Uh, he actually did play Don Quixote in a summer stock yep. performance somewhere around St. Louis, Louis. Yeah. in college. Oh yep. wow! Yeah, I bet that was at the Muni. Uh, probably. That's this like outdoor yeah. summer Yes, totally. And yeah, can I just sidestep with the, the yeah. Oh, okay. The <laughs> this show is nothing uh, if not sidesteps. <laughs> they did, I did not see it, but when I, I went to school in St. Louis, and um, one summer the movie did Miss Saigon, which I'm sure was with all white people, mm. and they were like, they got the Channel 5 news chopper to be the helicopter, oh, but only because they kept it with, like, the St. Louis Channel 5, like, as promotion on the yeah. side of the helicopter. Oh, my God. And oh. so, like, every night the people were saved by the St. Louis Channel 5 news team. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's really funny. That was really funny. Oh, wow. It's like urban legend. But, uh, yeah. but, I, but yeah. I heard that story a lot in college, and we always, like, laughed so hard and thought it was so funny. Yeah. yeah. I, I, part of me wants it to be true. I, <laughs> and then part of me... I I don't want to research it because I feel like that story might. As I was telling it, I was like, "That can't possibly." True, but yeah, no. But I did. But it is a story that's told throughout the land, Mm -hmm. throughout the St. Louis land. Yeah, we're gonna tell a lot of theater stories. (laughs) We are. Like I, I would jump back and say, like, yeah, when when John shows up plastered, he reminded me of uh, of somebody I knew in college because I did like two years of community college and then I transferred to university. Uh, and the ironic thing is, is that the, the the theater that I did shows in at community college is the most uh, beautiful theater that I performed in during my academic career because they had a bunch of money, they had mm-hmm. just built it, a beautiful theater, local community theaters from the surrounding area. They also used the facilities, and uh, so there's one local community theater who. Who used it for some show, and me just being a student, like I helped out backstage working one night, and the lead actor of the show, like he is John O'Malley, mm-hmm. like he was that guy. Yeah. We came face to face backstage at one point, and like his eyes were doing like the drunk floaty dance, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I worked on Man of La Mancha at this at Timberlake. You said that, yeah, yeah, the summer stock theater that I, and I mean, I worked on. I was twelve, mm-hmm. and I ran the follow spot. Right, and so yeah. it was funny because in the episode there's like a huge spotlight on him, and I was like, no, "Absolutely, really. yeah." <laughs> but uh, the guy, I don't remember his name, and I wouldn't probably say it if I did. <laughs> but the guy who played Don Quixote notoriously could not remember his lines oh, ever no. at all, any of them. 
And but Don Quixote is this character who's sort of like you know fumbling in and out of sure, yeah. So it sort of worked. But we always would laugh backstage because we'd always say that he'd be like, "To dream the impossible line." <laughs> like, uh-huh. he, just, yeah. he just would never know anything. <laughs> I am I line. Oh god. god. Yeah, he was rough. So it reminded me a lot of him yeah. too. Now that I think about it, I think the, yeah, this guy that I just talked about, he had notorious line problems. Yeah. yeah <laughs> as well. well, I have another story about Try him me. later on. In Show, but yeah, we'll get there. Drinking yeah. in memory don't often mix. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I did. I worked with a guy uh, who was um, quite well respected and, and really one of the sort of, you know, I don't say this at all tongue in cheek, I mean it sincerely like major theatrical talents in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, he'd done a lot of work around there. You know, he done work in New York, he'd done work in L.A., done, you know, um, and I worked with him on a show, and it was just the two of us, uh, and I go into rehearsal one day, you know, excited to get to work, and he was just plastered, uh, like, to the point where I was just sort of like, am I going to have to, like, hold him up? Like, it, thank goodness it was just rehearsal, mm-hmm. um, and at one point, I remember stepping outside, because uh, the director and the, the playwright were outside, and they were smoking a cigarette, and I kind of stepped outside, and I was just sort of like... Hey guys! <laughs> and they just sort of like looked at me, and they're kind of nodding their heads, like yeah. And the director started to say something to me, and then the playwright was just like, "Just don't even like. There's no, there's no reason to even. I mean, he's doing the best he can with what he's got right now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, "Okay, cool." So everybody knows it's not like I'm not just standing there like, "All right," like I. And I was, you know, I was younger at the time. I think I was sure. like 25, 26. Yeah. So it was, it was, I was early-ish, you know, in, in my career. Anyway, um, it happens. Yeah, they're out there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, so yeah, we get the the mission drop. What he's there to do yeah. is to is to stop John from from tripping off the stairs. Yes. Uh, then the 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 performance ends. Which Sam and way, Nicole be backstage. What an interesting flow of time they do there because like one minute they're watching the very beginning of the show sure. and then the next minute like we're hearing the Dulcinea song and the next thing is the show is over and Sam's making a beeline for Nicole back. Yeah. Yeah. They've just been staring at each other for two hours yeah. across yeah. the wings just, just making eyes She didn't have other. any entrances over on that side. They're not yeah. watching yeah. the show at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah but, but they meet up and like yeah Sam still thinks that, that, that she recognizes him yeah. and then it comes clear that she recognizes Ray and that right. yeah. they had a relationship before. But they had a relationship and it sounds like Ray kind of ghosted her. Yeah. Yeah, but she greets him by kissing him full on the mouth and I, which I was like, I think, it took me a minute to understand. I, I, I think that, I, 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 it's, it's just a writing shorthand to say, hey, they, they used to be romantic together. Yeah. <laughs> <Just>, yeah. <laughs> Alright, sure. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's just get into it. Okay, great. Right. Okay. Skip through any awkward bits and uh, get right to the kissing. Get right to the kissing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was my dating philosophy. It's an no, no. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. hence the restraining order. Right. Yes, so. yes, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so in this, we also find out that Michelle is uh, the new understudy. Nicole. 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 Played, played by. Played by Michelle. This is where actually. I get the mix up. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle. Michelle Pock is who plays her. Uh, one oh, of but the, she's also understudying the actress Michelle. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Who is indeed playing. Uh, Eldonza Dulcinea, who yes. is Janine Turner, yes. of Northern Exposure fame. Yeah, John Cullum was also oh. on Northern Exposure, I was just which yeah, doesn't John come up. Uh, John, yeah, which is played uh, by John start Cullum. for another yeah. few months. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, which is interesting. That they would work together soon. It's really, it's really interesting too because I knew that I recognized her and I knew that she was someone that had done other things, but I could not place her at first. And then when I realized who it was, I was like, well, no wonder because it, she doesn't look quite like the Janine Turner that I think that we because her hair's a little longer sure. whereas like in Northern Exposure she had like the pixie cut or kind of mm. bob and this you know so it, it, it's it's interesting how a haircut really can change a person well then sometimes. they put her in the Dulcinea wig that every actress <laughs> has worn through the history of Man of La Mancha yes. as soon as I cut her head I was like oh the Dulcinea wig oh yeah <laughs> the, the quote Spanish lady wig like it's the big curly mm-hmm. and, and so I was laughing so I was like that's the go-to way, yeah, right. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, at, at some point, Ray had had ghosted uh, uh, Nicole yes. over the years because like their their letter writing had dropped off. But now they're they hopeful, that, yeah, that they had that they may get to perform together. Yes, and, and you know Sam is. It's interesting here because and Sam is hopeful that they may get to perform together. Well, and, and they <laughs> and, and, might yeah. because apparently Michelle. The actress Michelle parties too hard on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. when we get, yeah, when we get to the like party at the, the bar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and what's interesting here is that you get this sense from Sam that while he is clearly hopeful that Nicole knows that it's Sam, that he still has enough of that sort of leapers mentality, if you will, that all right, I'll 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 be Ray. I'll you know I'll do what I need to do. I'm not going to confuse things too much. And yet, of course, he's clearly conflicted about that. Sure. Um, For better or for worse. Mm. Yeah, I was a little (laughs) conflicted about that, I think. Yeah. 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 So, uh, to just keep the the flow of the episode. So, they're they're at the after party. This is where we find out that. Uh, Michelle does not like doing Sunday matinees, right. and, and she pretty boldly implies that her and Ray have a have, thing. have some kind of thing going on. Yes, uh, and, and she flashed him while she was on stage. That's true. She oh, did yeah. Yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and and, and um, two two other things real quick that I want to say is that uh, going back real quick, it is interesting because Al is very much against Sam pursuing anything with Nicole. Like, not only Sam pursuing anything, but even, like, as Ray. Like, he's just like, no, Sam, that's not what you're here for. Don't do this. This is, this is not good. This uh-huh. is don't, yeah. you know, um, which is interesting. The other thing is, is that when um, John O'Malley makes his grand entrance into the after party, like, he immediately finds himself drawn to Nicole as well. Like, yeah. just, like, goes, just makes the a new, for The new, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. new Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Dulcinea, <sighs> which is great because clearly she's younger than right. Nicole. Yeah, and so she yeah, has a little. And fun and that. that just reminded me. Uh, so if you're not in the Chicago theater scene, which is 99 percent of people listening, <laughs> you know we we had yeah yeah. I mean, in the last couple <laughs> of years, we've had a lot of stories come out of different abuse and different just just weird yeah. situations in the theater scene, and just like in some of these stories come out, like particularly a profile theater of like. Of, of artistic directors and lead actors like playing actresses off of one another, mm-hmm. and, and just like yeah, the, this the skeevy thing where he introduces Nicole as the new Dulcinea, like yeah, it's obvious he is shit stirring and yeah, 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 yeah. And we also meet Manny in this scene. I mean, we've seen him before. Yes, obviously. yeah. We really kind of meet him at this point, and he's 
clearly smitten with Michelle. Well, smitten might not be the right word. Lusting Lester, after. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, after uh, Michelle. He would kill just to do her laundry, I think he says in a previous uh, scene. Yeah. Weird. And then uh. when when <laughs> Sam goes to the bar to get drinks, though, Michelle goes with him. And at this point, it's pretty heavily implied that Michelle basically, like, stuffs her hands down his pants. Yeah. And is just yeah. right there at the bar, mm-hmm. you know. What? I missed that. Yeah. Well, there's a scene where she reaches down, and you can tell by the look on, on Sam's face. Like, she yeah. she has clearly, if not, like, put hands physically down his pants. She has grabbed his junk. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Sam clearly does not want that. Uh, he's he's uncomfortable. Yeah, he wants the new Dulcinea. He, yeah, he wants. Yeah, <laughs> don't give me that old Dulcinea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when they get I feel icky now that I said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so during this, as he's gone off to get drinks, John has has brought Nicole over to talk uh, and has implied that yeah that Ray and Michelle have some sort of relationship, uh, but then by the time Sam gets back with drinks. He is passed out on Nicole's lap. Yeah. 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 Um, and He's been hammered for hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> he, did, he did the whole show under the, the influence of vodka. Oh, yeah. That's the thing, too, is like we see him coming off stage, like taking poles off a flask. Like, yeah. yeah. I do yeah. love to jump back. I love the, the moment where he comes off stage to get, to get a drink and yeah. Al goes, you are giving a terrific performance. Yeah. I am <laughs> giving a terrific performance. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, it is. That is pretty great. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, and John Cullen is great. Like he's yeah. really good, and he's done lots of stuff. He's been nominated for Emmys and awards and stuff. So I mean, you know, he's 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 good in this role in mm-hmm. particular. And you know, the great thing is, is like as great as he is when he's playing sort of drunk, over the top, wacky John O'Malley, when he starts to be the more like manipulative bastard O'Malley, like he, it's just like oh. God, yeah, like, no, yeah. <laughs> like no wonder this guy, no wonder this guy is the lead actor in this touring production of Don Quixote because he probably arranged to have every other actor killed that tried to take the role. Yeah. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, but now, so so yeah, he's passed out, um, and, and now we get back to uh, Nicole's Ray, place. Right? Yeah, so Absolutely. here, so here we go. Let's we're gonna let we'll just set the stage for the scene real quick, and then I yeah we'll we'll let Jess and Brooke talk before we say anything else. But basically, yeah. Sam goes back to Nicole's place. They're there. She's getting uh, coffee or tea or something. Tea. Right? tea What's funny? This is this is gonna be a real nerdy moment. Yeah. Uh, between you and me, but this is where it's established that Sam likes orange spice tea. Yeah. And that becomes an important Drinks plot point in a later episode. And I'm pretty sure in that later episode they use the same set. Oh, that's the hilarious. same apartment set. Huh. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Did so you she's... say orange spice tea? Mm-hmm. I didn't miss that. Yeah, because yeah, because she says she she's the one that says it, right? She's like, yeah. she doesn't she say like orange spice and yeah. he's like it's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and and so at this point he walks over and sits down at the piano and he starts to play you know play a little warm up and that's when she comes out and says one of my students used to play that. And there's was a, like she can't remember which student. And though. also, it was but, a very generic warm up that all yes. of her students probably played. Well, she sure. taught him, right? But, yeah. it's, but it's not. It's not the the regular warm up. He does a little embellishment at the very end of every scale. That is not. It's if you're doing like a regular scales on the piano, it's the da 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 da. But he does not play that. It's like a da 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 da. Like he does like a little embellishment at the very end. Which, by the way, that really is Scott Bakula playing it because he can sure. play the piano. Yeah. But uh, so he does do like a little embellishment at the end that that sets it apart enough that I buy her thinking that it's not just. 
everybody's yeah. warm up. Maybe. It's a TV show. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's the one that turned him on to Orange Spice Tea. Ooh. Oh, that's a great Maybe nice. he drank it when he had piano lessons. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. A little Sam Beckett going over to Jim <laughs> yeah. Coles. She's yeah. giving him Orange Spice Tea. Yeah. Him about... I almost yeah. said Tickle the Ivories. But I just... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. This is Space Point Wheel. Good night, everybody. We're, we're just going to shut it down now. Uh, so Sam has played the piano. She recognizes it. I will say in that particular moment, there was a, a, a bit of me that wondered if she was being a bit evasive there. But she really wouldn't have any reason to be. But there is an interesting pause where she's kind of like... Is she going to tell him about the student, or is she not going to tell him about the student? And then she decides to say, eh, I don't remember. Or does she just genuinely like, oh, I can't remember which one it was. But for me, there was a pause there that I didn't know how to take. Got it. Anyway. I just feel like she has a framed picture of her other students. Like, she's clearly close to these kids. Right. She just can't. You know, but maybe it's like I don't want to talk about my piano students on this date with Ray Hutton, and that's kind of For what sure. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. And, and and also I, I think uh, where like Sam doesn't really dwell on it. Like it just like you know I remember uh, you know like having teachers in high school that I, that I really uh, respected and loved, and like seeing them years later, and them just like like I could tell like they were like. What year were you? Yeah. Like trying to remember <laughs> right. me, yeah. and like the realization of like, like you remember teachers that 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 really, yeah. that really spoke to you in some way. But then also that realization that not all of your teachers are going to remember right. you because right. they have so many, many students. Yeah. Absolutely, you know? yeah. There's there's like twenty to thirty of you and one of them. You know, so in that situation, it's a lot easier for you to remember them than it is for you to, for them to remember all of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so. At this point, also, Sam then divulges that he had a crush on his piano teacher. Now, mm-hmm. of course, Nicole thinks that this is Ray talking. She thinks it's adorable. Mm-hmm. You know, she's clearly still attracted to Ray. And then, you know, they're starting to get close. And that's when Sam says, I'm not... Sam same. hesitates. Yeah, he hesitates. Yeah. like, I'm not the same Ray you fell in love with. And she's like, I've changed too. But I'm not the same Nicole. And then... And then they kiss. Yeah. And let's just go ahead and jump to one quick piece of information. It's clear that that's not all they do um, based on yeah. Sam's interaction with Al the next day. Next day yeah. So it is, it is very clear that they, that they spend the night together. So, and by spend the night together, I mean have sex. In case there's any doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the setup. Sam Beckett has leapt into Ray Hutton. Sam Beckett has feelings for Nicole. Sam Beckett is Ray. Nicole sees Ray. Sam ends up fulfilling this childhood fantasy, if you will. I mean, I think it meant more to him than that. Yeah. And does this thing. So, women? It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. And it's... I was icked out the whole time. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe it was just because he just kept emphasizing, like, was it puppy love? It wasn't. And, like, this crud. And, like, really emphasizing their age difference. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I guess maybe, too, the fact that, like, she doesn't know exactly who he is. But I don't... I feel like he... She definitely wanted to be with Ray. She's been with Ray before. So I don't know if I had... She's also, to me, and I know... Times have changed, but like to me, it's like her consent was for Ray, right? And she didn't consent to having any 
physical intimacy with Sam. Someone else. Who can now have memories of that when he right. goes back and can talk about it. And I think that's the part that icked me out. Because I was like, mm. Does he done this in other episodes? Like, does he sleep with people in episodes? Yes. No. He has. No. Not he has. Any, Not in any previous episode. This is the first. This is the first time that Sam has that ha- that Sam has sex time. while leaping. I don't agree. He, with he that. makes out. He makes out with a lot of women. I still but the think, first time of. I still think he had in right hand of God. I th- I still think he had sex with um oh, with yeah with her. Oh, see, I with don't, Dixie. Yeah I, yeah, I do. Just because of the music playing, the way that she takes off her clothes and climbs on top of him, like oh. all of it. It's like come on. Oh, you know, it's too I, suggestive. I will disagree. And yeah. I think and I and I I just don't. I don't think it's the first time that he's that he's that he's had sex in a leap. Uh, I, 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 again, yes, he's made out with people, but at that point, if we're going to say, you know, if, if we're going to say it's problematic that he's had sex with someone while leaping, then it's just as problematic if he kisses someone while sleeping, quite frankly. Absolutely. So, yeah. so I mean, it's worth, it's worth having the dialogue about that. For sure. And the, re- like the, the, we brought this up with a previous episode. I, th- I think you guessed it on the episode or we've talked about it enough, but there was an article out there. I cannot find it. I did another search for it last night. I actually saw yeah. it not too long ago. I know okay. it exists. There, there, yeah. There's an article out there that does make the argument that any time that Sam sleeps with someone during Quantum Leap, he is technically raping them because they are not giving consent mm-hmm. to sleep with Sam. They are yeah. giving consent to sleep with the person that they think that yeah. he is. I mean, because if she did know that this was her former, who she last knew as 15 years old, and really... How how old is he in real life at this time? He's in his, he's like forty something. Not the leaping Sam, but the the real his real original timeline. Like oh, how many years has it been uh, since seventy nine? Was... So he would have been twenty six. Okay, so I guess that's not so bad. But that was like weird. I would be like, whoa. Well, if I found out that someone I had slept with. I mean, I'd have a lot of questions. Like, <laughs> 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 maybe some other questions at first. But if I found out that someone I'd slept with, you know, had had been someone else, right? And it's it like would if feel... someone lied about their name or anything about their past. And, and this is also idea. part of my question from earlier, which is like, so when Ray comes back, then does he does know he know that they, that yeah. happened, or is he gonna be like, why are you hitting on me? And like, what happens uh, to these people when they come back? Uh, he may very. Like we talked about, he may have some kind of like vague idea yeah. of, of Maybe what happened. Maybe told him. But yeah, there there are in some later episodes in the last season. There are some episodes where like, where what if Ray didn't want to sleep with her. What if a, I mean, there's also like I said, it's it, really uh, it, yeah. It's kind of implied that that Ray may have like broken contact with her just by stopping replying to her letters right. over the years. Yeah. Maybe there's a reason. So uh, I don't know. Sam. So yeah. But yeah. uh, Betsy and I talking about it as we watched the episode last night. She was like, eh. "It's like it's like time travel is a, creates weird circumstances." Yeah. yeah, And but but then her her defense of it too was also like Nicole is clearly into Ray, right? Yeah, and it, it may you know she she clearly wants to have sex, and it would be weird and create a weird situation if. He didn't have sex with her. Okay. What's the harm in that? Come on. He spent his honeymoon with another woman and didn't sleep with her. Like, he was able to dodge his newlywed wife on the honeymoon and not have sex with her. And even said it would be wrong if I have sex with her. Like, Mm -hmm. and yet 
he has no qualms about it. He's her apartment. Well, all he would have to do is leave. Yeah. yeah. All right. he would have to do is leave. Well, back during Honeymoon Express, like like Betsy called it out, like his criteria for whether or not to sleep with the woman in Honeymoon Express was whether or not he was in love with her. Sure. Yeah, Taking just, nothing into account her consent. Right, yeah, like, or, right. So just because he was in love with Nicole. He justifies it himself for sure. And he respects her and cares about her, but it's still, that's great, but, like, she needs to be on board. I don't know. She was on board for Ray. Right. I don't know if she was on board for Sam. And that's what makes it a little weird. I do, I do think that it does bring up a very interesting concept of him leaping around that I think we kind of talked about yesterday. That it is kind of, it does suck. He's been, he's not his own life anymore. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, been stuck leaping around as somebody else. And I could see him finding the appeal and wanting to, because he kind of says later on, he's like, well, maybe I'll just stay here, you know? Yeah. And I, I totally sympathize with that, um, that he would feel like, well, she, I knew her, she knew me, you know, it's, I could see how he would maybe kind of be able to justify it. It's still not okay, I don't think, and it's kind of icky, yeah. but, but it is, it is, that is a very, and I almost wish they would have dived into that more, or maybe they will in the future a little bit, but the idea of, of how hard that would be to sort of not be living your own life anymore, and mm-hmm. he just wants a piece of, like, what he wants to do. There, there's certainly a, a theme that has been building, I would argue, since the very beginning of this season that is getting Sam closer and closer to... He starts to build, rebuild his memories of what home was, mm-hmm. of who he is, of, of his brother, of his family, of knowing these things. And, and one could argue it goes all the way back to the pilot in some ways with the conversation with his dad at the end. But there has been this slow build of... You know, I just, I want to go home. I want to go home. Um, And I think that this is something that I will love talking about as we get closer and closer to the end of this season. Um, But I think that it's there. I think it's subtle, but there have been enough times over the past, like, ten episodes or so, where he has said something about, you know, it's been growing. He's getting tired. He wants to go home. We want, you know. and, And so I think that... It's, you know, it's dangerous to say I'm going to give him a pass because of extenuating circumstances, but I think that's a valid point, what you were just saying, Jessica, is that, yeah, he's been so out of sorts, and he's just kind of finally started to dial in what this whole leaping thing is, and he knows how to get from point A to point B and, you know, leap on, but he doesn't have any life. He even says in this episode, he's like, I have no life. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, my life, I don't have a life. Right. And, and so, I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not giving him a pass at all. Um... But I do think it's interesting to explore it from that heightened, yeah. Unreal. I mean, I'm saying it, it, it may it may be uh, more possible to give him a pass. Like if he had met a woman who had not known the person yes. that he had leaped into. Yes, like yeah. they, they that they were in essence strangers to one another. Right, yeah. and that's where I can justify him making out with a lot of women during the series because a lot of the those episodes come from circumstances where the person that he has leaped into and the person he is making out with mm-hmm. are have were virtual strangers right. at the beginning of the episode. Yes. They don't think they're making out with a person that they have a relationship with and it turns out somebody else. No. no. Yeah. Granted, yeah. Uh, but in this case, like, he is fulfilling a childhood fantasy. Yes. Yes. Because I think that's, I think that might be the piece is that, like, something about her knowing Sam, it, like, 
and knowing Ray is what made it creepy because I'm like she she's she's not choosing right you know like mm-hmm. I think you're right like if he had just met somebody randomly new and mm-hmm. then maybe then that would feel different but I don't know yeah and there is, uh, the, there is I, I know like Scott Bakula didn't mean to come across as creepy yeah. but there was one where, like where he says I'm not the Ray you knew yeah. yeah and she says I'm not the old Nicole you knew and Scott Bakula gets a smile on his face like it's really subtle but like what I read in that smile was like I tried. <laughs> I did it. Right, right. I technically told her I'm not Ray. Yeah. Full steam ahead. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like I was like, oh, he's a monster, but I did just feel like... Mm. It made it a little hard to watch. Yeah. Like, it was just like a little like, ooh. The you know, and I also wonder too, within the context of the episode as a whole, if there's any sort of validity to, and again, this is not doesn't excuse it at all. The 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 notion that Sam has kind of regressed a little bit here, just even in 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 maturity, like even upon seeing her, like immediately he's like taken back to that puppy love phase like mm-hmm. and and he does in a way throughout this episode act almost more like a teenager mm-hmm. in a lot of ways mm-hmm. than he does you know the normal Sam Beckett and 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 I think that there's there's another scene coming yeah. up specifically that really is like dials into that dude you're yeah. acting like a little kid yeah, <laughs> yeah. and now, now truly from a practical standpoint acknowledge like different writers are writing Sam from episode to yes. episode you know, Although so it's very interesting. And it's you know, hard because Sam doesn't have. I, I, maybe I don't know because I haven't seen all the shows. But like, we don't ever see Sam as just Sam, and so it's hard to. As rarely, a writer, yeah. I would think it would be hard to come in and be like, mm, "How do I tap into this person when I haven't even seen them in their mm-hmm. environment?" Yeah. yeah, it is also interesting to note that the episode was directed by Donald Belisario, who's the who's the. Uh, You're right. Yes. Yeah. Who's the uh, creator of the show and the concept and has written episodes and. Um, I think that his notion of the show to begin with is different from what it has become at this particular point mm-hmm. within you know the, the the show's history. But it it does make me wonder, like, what would be his defense for this? Mm-hmm. You know, and is there a further argument to be made that because of when the episode was shot, nineteen eighty nine? the notion of a man creating this sort of wish-fulfillment situation for himself would not have gone checked at all. Would have just been, sure, dude, do it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, yeah, but she can't give consent, and that's yeah. weird. And again, as I've said before, consent has always existed. We just haven't necessarily always been good about talking about it right. the way that yeah. we should. And in 1989... That conversation would not have been. It's kind of the same thing we were talking about with um, when he leaps into Samantha Stormer and what price Gloria. Mm-hmm. The way he uses her body, absolutely, without her consent, kind of as a weapon to get back at a guy. You know, it's like it's 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 there are there are clearly there are episodes that are very problematic in this arena, and, and I think that this is probably the you know, chief among those transgressions is Sam basically taking advantage of the fact that he has leapt into a person that this woman who Sam Beckett found attractive is attracted to the person that he's leapt into. Mm-hmm. It's probably not even something that was talked about, like you're saying, yeah. in the writing at the time. Yeah. And I don't even think as a woman, I mean, I if I had been an adult woman in, at the time... That I would have even noticed because the conversation was so different. 
than it is now. And and it was very tame compared to a lot of the stuff you would see. And I'm not defending it. I'm just saying right. it's interesting sure. to see it now and have those sort of like immediate, like Jessica and I did, like there's a sort of immediate gut feeling of like, oh, it's so uncomfortable, you know. Whereas maybe it was like at some point it was like, oh, it's romantic. He's sweet. He loves her. Right. You know? like, Absolutely. What I wish that I could have <laughs> slept with when I was fifteen and now I'm older. Right. Like, the wish fulfillment thing. I'm sure they were all it's, like, oh yeah, my first grade teacher. Blah blah blah. You know, I could just see that. First grade. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> what the hell are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I did not have a crush on my first grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's just a different sort of time and and. We're talking about different things, you know? I, yeah. It's funny because, like, nowadays I'll watch romantic comedies and stuff that are just from the 90s that I loved when I was, like, a teenager, and I watch mm-hmm. them, and I'm like, oh, yeah. God, like, they're so uncomfortable now to... Just a lot of the behavior and a lot of the stuff is is really uncomfortable. So, you know, but at the time you didn't think twice about it. Well, I, I, yeah, I completely agree. And one of the things I even mentioned to Dennis earlier, and I think I said this to you last night, Jessica, is that... I this episode had a very special place in my heart for a long time, and I, I really had fond memories of the episode. And the funny thing is, is that rewatching it because of this scene and because of this thread, it took away a lot of that enjoyment that I think I got from other areas of the episode. And I I won't deny that you know watching this episode as like a fourteen year old or fifteen year old, and 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 like that situation certainly in, you know, 1995 would have probably been appealing to me as well. Mm -hmm. But watching it last night, it was a very different experience. And it it kind of made made me say to Dennis earlier, I was like, well, at least the, I have the medley on the soundtrack. (laughs) Because the soundtrack (laughs) is like a medley of songs. Yeah. 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 The the soundtrack and the musical aspect. Yeah. And it's because yeah. they, it, they bring the episode up, uh, and they don't talk about this, obviously. But in the interview that's with Scott Bakula on the soundtrack, sure. they do talk about this episode because of the the songs, uh, which is where he talks about Summerstock and doing you know mm-hmm. Don Quixote and stuff. But uh, it would be interesting, really, to get a deeper discussion of this episode from the creative team mm-hmm. and really kind of hear like what was yeah. it that you were thinking because like when I, I would venture to guess like Brooke said they probably didn't even think about it right yeah, that's what I just gonna say so. or like there's a lot of like it's not like ooh I thought she was hot and I wanted to get with her it's like I loved her it's yeah. Like, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of yeah. language that's very sweet and sort of romantic I think it's trying to appeal to the women watching actually right. sure. mm-hmm. you know that's like oh that's well, nice because he loved her and and he's like age appropriate now, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. and she loves this uh, this the guy Ray seems like a nice guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they made it very nice. They made it, but that leads you to think like he could leap into the boyfriend of a sixteen year old girl and do whatever he wants. Really, I mean, if you think about it, like sure in this case they were she was age appropriate to his current age, but like we would feel, I think, much stronger if he had leapt into somebody yeah. who was 16 years old and she thought she was sleeping with her 16-year-old boyfriend, but really it was this what, 40-year-old guy. I mean, yeah. yeah. So well, it's, that is clearly problematic. And think about, think about, and, and, and again, I think for the first season episodes, and I and, and I want to go back real quick to address Right Hand of God, I still stick to my guns that he did indeed sleep with Dixie. 
I think because that was sort of proto-Sam, that the character had not really been dialed in yet, mm -hmm. or they didn't really know what they were doing as far as that sort of stuff went, that it, it's not the same as Sam in Catch a Falling Star sleeping with Nicole as, as Sam in Right Hand of God having sex with Dixie. But I think that another episode uh, in, in Kamikaze Kid, I was just he has, he, like, he basically gets that girl's first kiss. That's what and he's it's there Sam. to do. Yeah, and Al even like at, you know heavily implies that he's there to basically give her because that, that's when he leaps out, right? And I and, the, and how, how and let's face it, that was kind of icky for other reasons because the actor was so she was so young mm -hmm. and Scott Bakula was not like it's like, huh. How do you feel about that, Scott? Like <sighs> I, you know, and I imagine that he probably was sort of like, uh, all right, well, if, if if you think that this is what we need to do, <laughs> and her parents are okay with it. Yeah, like, did they sign a release? Because, but anyway, in, in, in all seriousness, I think that um, again that there are other. There have been problematic moments prior to this episode that we have addressed, but this certainly seems to be the biggest. Yeah. Of them. And I mean, it's one of those things where I think it's sort of like, uh, it's it's sort of just a good example of progress, in my opinion. You totally. Know? It's like this. We, it's hard to blame the show for being a show that was filmed in the '80s and that that's where people's minds were and that's how people thought. And it's hard to say like, oh, you know, this writing team was gross or this is you know, right. it was a different time. I think what's good is that we're having this conversation now and we can look at it and feel this way and be like, oh, it's uncomfortable. And I and men and women are sitting here agreeing that it's uncomfortable now, yeah. and and I think that's that's the part to focus on that's good at least that's come from this now. It's like I don't go back and look at things. I mean, have you ever watched that horrible scene from Holiday Inn that they always cut when they oh yeah TV, yeah you know? absolutely yeah. but it's like huh, well, Father Abraham yeah, yeah, yeah. Holiday Inn this old you know mm -hmm. do you know it's this old black and white Christmas. Well, I guess no. movie. Yeah, but okay. White Christmas is, is is it's where White Christmas premiered. Was okay, this movie. Yeah. Okay. And they anyway they, they it's like a it's like a hotel that's only open on holidays and then okay. they do a big musical number and they do one for Lincoln's birthday and it's all in blackface and they they cut it now usually when they show it on TV. Uh, okay. But, Unless it's on Trek Classic movies, yeah. but they don't do it for. Yeah. <laughs> so Got I never it. even knew that was part of it until yeah. I saw the actual whole movie once. I was like, "What is this?" And I had no idea, you know. Mm -hmm. But it, I, and I'm never gonna. Like, that's a whole different thing. I'm never the, gonna do the, the thing. Yeah. But but what I'm saying is like it. At least you can, I guess, tap into the fact that you're like, this is super uncomfortable now. I can right. recognize that it was made in a different time. Not that mm -hmm. that makes it right or wrong, but. Well, it's the same thing with, like, the tradition of Yellowface. It's like, yeah. if going back and, like, looking at, like, Charlie Chan movies, or even, like, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, and one of the most popular Doctor Who stories ever is The Talons of Wing Chiang, and in that episode, a, a you know, white European actor plays an Asian man, mm -hmm. and the thing is, is at the time, that, that was, like, kind of, like, a almost tradition sort of thing, and, and again, it certainly doesn't make it right, but because it was just so embedded in that particular culture that, you know that you just got whoever was available, you know, and it wasn't, and here's the thing, and again, not trying to excuse it or say that it's better or okay, but it wasn't Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's, right. you know what I mean? Whereas that, that was just bad, yeah. no matter what, I mean, that wasn't just yellow face, that was literally just being racist. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it, it's interesting to see that. It, the thing about Holiday Inn that, that I, I struggle with sometimes is that I don't, 
I don't like to think that there's ever a reason to cut that sort of thing out of something. It's the same with like old cartoons, like cartoons that were made during World War II, for instance, that are very racially insensitive to Japanese and, and German culture. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that it's important when looked at in the right context, in the right light, it's important to see those as they were. And I think it's the same thing with Holiday Inn. It's important to see it as it was. And it's the same thing about this episode. Like, I would hate to think that, you know, if we go so far with, with Me Too or Time's Up to say that something like this should be cut or dropped or that episode will not be in the next box set or something like that, I would have a problem with that. Right, mm -hmm. and I think it's, I think what's important, though, is that we just have these conversations yes, about them. Yes, exactly. You know? even those old cartoons now come with, don't they? A lot of them have a... Yep. a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. You know. Yeah. Well, and even when Holiday Inn airs on Turner Classic Movies, they, they air like a... I don't think it's a disclaimer so much as just saying, like, you know, in the interest of history, we've preserved the film as right. yeah, it was yeah. originally done. There are some things that you may find objectionable. In that film, too, it's not just the blackface scene, though. It's also how the black children yes. are treated in particular. That is... That is Almost, if if this is even possible, more offensive yeah, than the blackface. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, I, I, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I think that the, again that the most important thing to do is to keep having the conversation and to not allow ourselves to become ignorant of these things. Right. And I think if we start to try to take them out, you know, cut those moments out of those movies or you know burn those DVDs or whatever, then we create a you know kind of yeah. an ignorance of it all. And one day, you know, civilization wakes up and thinks to themselves like. I wonder how things got to be this way. What if right. we did this? You know, and it's like all of a sudden, you know, we're creating an environment where the same mistakes get made again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's good to... I mean, it's an interesting conversation we're having now based on this. And, and like we've been saying, like, I don't know if even five or ten years ago I would have thought this much about it when I saw it, yeah. you know? And it's interesting to see how they handle things like this going forward you know, in, in movies. Yeah. Right. I, to me, it's interesting. Uh, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, because I'm thinking, like, if they were to write this episode again for, like, today, yeah. you would probably see, like, Sam having that struggle of, like, I want to be with her, but I cannot be with her because... Yeah. Which, to be honest with you, in my opinion, is a far more interesting episode. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. if Sam yeah. leaps in and Nicole is all over him, yeah. and he's, like, having to, like, be there with Al and be like... Al, you don't understand. I was in love with her when I was 15 years old. I, I, I feel like I, I want to, you know, what do I do? I can't do this. It would be wrong for me to do this, but she's coming on to Ray, and it, you know, would create a really interesting, yeah. like, ethical dilemma for Sam. Yeah, which they would, they almost did in Honeymoon Express, but right. then they didn't make it about consent. They made it about his feelings for her. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and then I think if this were being written today, he wouldn't, he would leave the apartment. And yeah. Yeah, you thank know. you, right. And in some ways, it would make the episode much more touching. You know what I mean? Like, you honestly, feel a lot more. For, like yeah. I was saying, I feel bad for him leaping around, not getting to have his own life. He doesn't get to fall in love with anyone. But, you know, to be able to see that struggle versus just, like, giving in to whatever he wants, you, you would. You would sympathize, I think, mm -hmm. with him a lot more, and it, it would have been more interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right, thanks, guys. We yeah, solved some of those problems again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Now, uh, we still got half an episode here. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so now we get to the next day. And like, like you were saying earlier, like, uh, they are getting uh, Nicole ready to rehearse. Yes. Uh, which I, I, mean, I love. Everybody shows up for understudy rehearsal. As someone who has understudy shows, no. Yeah. You're, you're lucky you're getting an understudy yeah. rehearsal. Yeah. What, are you, what, are, what are you talking about? And I was laughing, too, because there's, like, everyone shows up for understudy rehearsal. And I'm like, what play are they rehearsing for? There's, like someone in a, like a 
leggings stretching in the background. There's yeah. dancers. There's like things everywhere. I was like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no what? Yeah. She was the only one in costume. Yeah. yeah. She was in costume. Well, well that, that, that I justified was like they they got to get her tired right, anyway. Right. So yeah. I, I understudied the show a few months ago where we got to a point where we had the understudy rehearsals, which thank God we had. Uh, like we got to a point where we were rehearsing in something approximate to to what our costumes would be. Sure. Uh, no, actually, they they did actually pre. They got understudy costumes for everyone ready. Just, wow. just in case, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, anytime that I, it's funny because I, I've, I've only understudied um, at one equity theater, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and so I mean, anytime that I was understudying for them, they always had, you know, something ready to go. Like I would I would do a costume fitting, you know day one just like everybody else would do I would do you know I mean I would be there the whole time I'd be there that's for, what made me know. think of the mustache thing was because you definitely had a more basic pared down thing less, Christmas Carol yeah, yeah less changes because at Christmas Carol a lot of people are changing things and doing stuff but since you were understanding so many characters it was definitely like this is a little bit more generic a, a little basic kinda, yeah. you know it's a little more flexible you don't have to worry about as much stuff to do and then yeah and then at the same time like anytime I would understand one of the Shakespeare shows like whether it was Midsummer or Julius Caesar uh, I remember both of those times it was a very different kind of experience because it was again I was understudying every male character in the show mm-hmm. uh, I swing understudy work let me tell you it is that's my, my last show yeah can be, can be I a was a nightmare though um, I was understudying three male roles yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So, so uh, uh, I had to have multiple costumes for Midsummer um, because the, the, depending on who I had to go on for, it was like sure. you have to you have to have a different costume. Right. You can't just go on in a basic costume. For Julius Caesar, it was different because it was a little more contemporary. So I just had like a suit and I could get away with it right. regardless mm-hmm. of who I was going to be. But. I used to work for uh, the auditorium theater, and there was all these ballet companies, and yeah. those dancers have to be like in full hair, makeup, costume, and in the wings, warmed up, and ready to understudy. Yeah, wow. ready to go. Because if someone gets injured, they just right in the middle, just right, right, right they for just sure. come right on and they pull this guy off and yeah. this one on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's you know. Yeah, I work at the Joffrey Ballet right now, so oh, you do? Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. yeah. So I I. Yeah. I know all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, um, crazy. that's really interesting because in theater you you would just have to stop the show probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think because the understudy probably wouldn't be there. I mean, maybe you got lucky and they would be. I know. I was talking to um, uh, somebody uh, recently. She understudied a show, and I can't remember where it was at. But uh, yeah, she had to be there just in case she had to stay up until a certain point through the run yeah. like through the performance and then like after intermission or something right. she was allowed to leave I wonder if there's yeah. just a higher probability that the dancers are going to need mm-hmm. someone to sub in yeah because if you I mean if you twist your leg or whatever like you could probably keep going through the show if you're an actor or you know you, you can kind of work through a lot of stuff but with a dancer I mean you can't move I mean, I yeah. I mean, I've certainly heard stories theater-wise, though, of where like they'll put a book in a production assistant's hand or something like that to finish out the show. Because if you've already got the audience in the room, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously they're getting a wildly different show in that instance. <laughs> sure. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it it is an interesting beast the way it works. Yeah. yeah. But it, the the last show that I understudied, I was understudying three of the male roles. Mm-hmm. Definitely going on one weekend for one of the roles. Uh, and it just came a point like like they they acknowledged like it was too much 
for any one person to memorize. So they they made sure that I was memorized for the one role I was definitely going on for because yeah. it was the most dialogue intensive role. Yeah. And just acknowledge like if I got called on last minute for the other two roles, I'd go on with the book. Well, I yeah, I, you know it's interesting because one of the last understudy gigs that I did was for Midsummer Night's Dream um, at Indiana Repertory Theater, and um, I was so I'm understanding every single male role um, except for. Bottom, which is a funny story that I'll get to in just a second, and uh, I mean that was like what between the mechanicals and the lovers and Puck and like yeah, I mean we're talking like eight to ten roles, and um, I, I, I fortunately I have a pretty good memory when it comes to that sort of stuff, like especially being in rehearsals all the time and reading the script daily and that sort of stuff. I, you, you just start to kind of get an idea of it, a feel for it. Um, but I was always very fortunate when anytime something would go wrong, because there were very few last minute sort of things, although there was one occurrence of that, um, I'd get a call like the night before, like so-and-so is sick, or you know we're worried about so-and-so's schedule because his wife is pregnant and you know it, this guy, so I'd have enough warning where I'd know what to focus on. So there were a couple of the roles I knew you know, pretty well. The rest of them, it was like one of those things where if I get enough notice, I could probably do it off book. The best is though, the guy playing bottom ended up getting like walking pneumonia. And he's honestly legit one of the finest actors I've ever seen in my entire life. His name's Henry Warnitz. Look him up. He's on IMDb. He, his guest spots in Star Trek Voyager are the two finest guest spots in the history of that television show, which isn't hard to do, to be fair. But seriously, the guy's fire. He's great. I've never heard anyone say Shakespeare the way that he does. He's incredible. Anyway, uh, he's sick. And I'm at some sort of function having a beer, and the artistic director and the producing manager of the theater are there, and they walk up to me, and we're just chit-chatting, and one of them says something about, like, so what do you think about Henry being sick? And I was like, I was about ready to say, oh, I don't have to understudy bottom, like somebody else would do it. And at that point, the artistic director of the theater puts her arm around me and goes, ah, don't worry about it, we'll slap a book in Sam's hand and it'll be fine. And I was just like... (laughs) Oh God! <laughs> like, that's that's one more. Like I didn't know oh, I was yeah. gonna have to what, and I didn't. Uh, I didn't. He he soldiered on because again he's incredible. But there was just this moment where it was like the combination of one more role, mm-hmm. it being literally one of the finest actors I've ever witnessed on stage, and like all of these things kind of combining in one moment, and then the the false bravado of the artistic director and me going like. Oh God! I hope I can. You know, it's like maybe I can. Um, Understanding is so important and so thankless. It's like you learn this whole thing. You might go on once. You might not go on at all. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, in bigger shows, you might be replacing someone that people came to see, so they're going to be disappointed. You know yeah. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. stage managing and understudying are the two most, I think, underappreciated and hardest jobs in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Actors' Equity actually now has a uh, national swing understudy day that basically, oh, really? like, that, yeah, so they, like, try to call everybody out. Like, if you're, you know, if you're a swing, like, sure. you know, tweet at us or do this or whatever uh-huh. for that That's very awesome. reason because you're right, it's such a, it's such a thankless job. Yeah. Like, yeah, along with stage management and, like, production assistants and, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, stage management and, and like, PAs and ASMs, though, I mean, uh-huh. at Equity Theaters, like, Jess, you were working, like, what, like, 60-hour weeks? and getting paid, like, less than minimum wage. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was a very stressful job. But it was, I mean, it's fun, and it's, it is a lot of hard work, and it is rewarding in its own right. But, yeah, I think I had more actors' nightmares about, like, being a PA and, like, the, giving the wrong prop to an actor or, like, 
I don't know, not on the right side of the stage to do the quick change or whatever yes. it is. Yeah. I was a stage manager for a while, too, and I had the same thing. It's like the whole show, you're like... <gasps> You just keep like over and over being like, "Did I do this?" <laughs> well, we, our stage manager would do things like, because we would be backstage and he'd be like, "Guys, guys, where's the suitcase? The suitcase is not on stage." And we'd all like run to the wings and be like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" But of course, it wouldn't be there. He was just messing so, with us. Yeah. I was a stage manager in an ASM, and that's a terrible job for me because I am just like a, I'm a little bit of a space case sometimes, <laughs> and I just kind of forget things. I don't know. It wasn't a perfect job for me. I remember I was an ASM on um, the Fantastics. It was the first oh show I did boy. in Chicago. And the stage manager got, she was up in the booth and I was backstage. And I thought to myself, like, oh, I really did perfectly today. I think I did everything right. And she gets on and she's like, so, Brooke, um, on stage right now, right downstage, uh, there is a notebook and a candy bar. And I think they're yours. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. And I looked around and I was like, it is my book. Like, for the, it's the script. Oh, like, my no. whole binder. And a gigantic king size Snickers bar. Oh. Are just like, right? El Gallo singing next to it. Like, everything. Else. Like, she's like, I'm going to hold the next blackout a little longer. I need you to get out there and get your candy. She was so calm. I was yeah. so thankful. But I was oh. like, oh god. And that's when I was like, I think this might not be for me. <laughs> and I went on the stage and I like, six more shows. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> um, well, in, 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 in interest of not giving them our full resumes, like, yeah, for sure, yeah. Oh, sorry, but sorry. seriously, no, 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 yeah. This is, no, we, we have so we, much fun. We, we have we have editing capabilities. We'll, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm leaving this stuff in. <laughs> All right, why not? Why it's not? Brought back a lot of theater memories. It really has. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like yeah, like watch. I'll, I'll jump into one here because and this, so this next thing we see, like Sam is like sitting in the audience, like getting ready to yes. watch Nicole rehearse. Randomly, there's a person sitting up in the balcony reading a newspaper. <laughs> and it reminded me so in college I was in Bus Stop uh-huh. if you're familiar with that show directed by previously mentioned John O'Malley-esque drunk guy oh, oh right. boy okay uh, but they ended up casting uh, a 14 year old girl high school girl in the lead no because they had decided that uh, none of the none of the, the girls in our theater department fit the role oh man and there were people in, in the play in the theater department they were really really bitter about that. Like why sure. why why did they bring an outside person? Like we're a college theater department, you cast from the student body, blah blah blah. And even though it was not this girl's fault at all, coincidentally her name was Nicole. Even though it was not Nicole's fault at all, sure. like there were people who just absolutely hated her. And so like one day, uh, we're getting ready to rehearse and we're rehearsing in, in the actual life theater, like beautiful theater, big theater, stadium seating. And so we're sitting there talking and people are trashing Nicole. Nicole's not there yet. The director's not there yet. I'm just sitting there, guys, kind of taking this in. I'm not saying anything because, like, I don't, I don't see what the hate for Nicole is because, like, it's not her fault. Congratulations, high school girl getting cast yeah, right. in a college play, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I look up and there's a blonde sitting in the back of the theater, just reading a newspaper. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But you know, the theater's open during the day and it's a big thing, so you know, whatever. Uh, so we go back to talking and people are trashing Nicole. Oh dear God. And I look up. And I realize what's happening. And the director shows up. He's like, all right, let's get started. Where's Nicole? Nicole, who recently dyed her hair blonde for the oh, role, no. put the newspaper down, and she came walking down to start rehearsal. Oh, poor girl. She knew exactly what she was doing. Yeah. She did not make a scene. No. Just individually, throughout rehearsal that day, she just 
one by one when she had a chance, she called everybody out one on one for the shit they said about her. Wow. That's pretty ballsy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I would have just probably cried and went home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so. uh, Cole's now a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. so anyway, so yeah. they're getting ready to start rehearsal, and then stage and manager, director, whatever dude, yes, call uh, Sam up on stage. And, and real quick before we get this, because we didn't mention this earlier, and I do think it's kind of interesting, um, just for texture as well as information about this specific episode, is that Al did say earlier to Sam that a you got a photographic memory, b you this can is more about to see that, yeah, right. But he but he actually mentions it earlier. Earlier, yeah, episode, okay, that's right. Because one of the things he tells Sam that is really cool that actually plays in one of the novels that they wrote about the sh- uh, about the show uh, Prelude is that Sam used to play the soundtrack to Man of La Mancha while they were working on the project. Right. Yeah, which is great because it conjures up all these images of the impossible dream and mm-hmm. time travel and leaping through time and going to right these wrongs and you know tilting windmills and you know Al is Sancho and like and so it's it, 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 it like the parallels are there and it's set and it's kind of a, a neat little moment. If maybe a little gratuitous, I don't know. Anyway, now at this point, Sam's now got to actually yeah be Don Quixote. <laughs> yeah, so he, he yeah he, he keeps blanking on the lines because he doesn't know the lines, right. and that's when Al shows up with the script. With the script, you got a photographic memory. Yeah. Start reading. Okay. Yeah, photographic memories are not real, right? I think yeah. they're not your faces. <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. It's like, like, it's like I don't. What they're presented at, like, here. I think there is a sense of that you can have a really great memory. You can kind of remember where things are, but I don't think it's as, as literal as, like, you glance at the page and now you can read every sentence. I don't think it's quite yeah. like that. But I do think that people do have what you could call a photographic memory, but I don't think it's as. as Advanced as sort of the TV makes it seem. I mean, I don't know. There are people out there. There have been some studies. There are people out there that literally like remember every minute of every day of their life. Yeah, and it was like, Mary Lou and, Penner. And, and, it ca- and yeah. it causes like and it causes like problems That's, for them. That is true. Like they because they they don't necessarily know what to do with all that information. So it's it. But I, I, I who knows how sure. you know authentic it is. Um, but for this show, he can learn all the lines because he has a photographic. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the phenomenon has been. This says know. on Wikipedia that the concept, um, a small number of children, and something, something generally not found in adults, while true photographic memory has never been demonstrated to exist. So some kids can do something that's kind of similar. Yeah. But okay. there hasn't really been a. a True proven photographic memory. This bullshit. Let us know your thoughts right in. Fake my will. No, this um, is how he's gonna do the play. Yeah, because yeah. he looked at the paper one time. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. that's. Yeah. I say, why doesn't he just? Why doesn't Al just stay on stage with them during the play and hold that script? Right. Yeah. Well, because they they had already uh, gilded that Lily a couple episodes ago when he was oh. a blind concert pianist, oh. and Al stood on stage the entire concert. Holding sheet music for Sam to and <laughs> side coaching is hard enough for a trained actor, much less Sam. God, I don't. <laughs> actually, I like side coaching. I know a lot of actors hate it, but I actually, I actually really enjoy it. I've had some really positive experiences with it before. 
Because it, it makes things feel so much more alive. I, I just want to kill anybody side coaching me. That oh. uh, yeah. No, no, they don't necessarily feature the lines, but it's like I. So when I was in a production of Closer during the strip club scene, uh, I was playing Larry and um, the the director and this was actually during the auditions this wasn't during rehearsal during the auditions like got up in our faces and was like super close to us and we'd be going on going on and then all of a sudden he would just say like a word and it was like it was fascinating because you would think that it would break the connection that you have with your scene partner but it didn't like she and I just stayed in it and like were so connected and we ended up getting cast both of us got cast in it so I mean but it was I don't know it was it was kind of powerful I know some people hate it. I was gonna say that sounds not. I would not like that. I don't know. It just it's just like an extra stimulus. Mm-hmm. It gives you something extra to kind of play off of, but you're not supposed to know it's there. I don't know. That's kind of cool. Anyway, sure. anyway. Um, so yeah, they start rehearsing. They don't get very far when John shows up. He wants to hear Nicole saying, uh, "Why does he like?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what does he want? To what, does he want to <laughs> what does he want? What does he like? Why? <laughs> 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 Does he like me? Uh, Sorry. Uh, what does he? Yeah. I actually, actually love Man of La Mancha too. Yeah. So, I love uh, that. What, 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 what does he want to? Do? Yes. Pretty down on her. Uh, and that's when John has the idea to give the local girl the benefit performance. Yes. yes. Well, and it's great because at first she stumbles with the song. Yeah. And and I mean stumbles mildly. Like she takes still, a little bit to warm up. Yeah, it still sounds good. It's not like she's hitting wrong notes or whatever. Um, but she's a little hesitant and then uh, it's interesting because I feel like we've seen so many times when, you know, theater or acting is being sure. portrayed that the minute somebody starts to lose confidence in your performance that automatically derails you and Nicole does the exact opposite. Yeah. It's like she sees John kind of like poo-pooing her and the other people sort of like, Arr. and she's just like, oh, okay, fine. Well, then I'm just going to sing it and she does and she sure. nails it and it's great and yeah. that's when he's like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to go on at the benefit. Yeah. To Nicole's credit, she got cast two days ago. She's off book. Yes. Yeah. Well, she might have a photographic memory. She, yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I think from here we cut to a why scene. Does, not yeah. when she thinks, why does he like me? Yeah. <laughs> why does he like me? Uh, so we cut to the bar, and uh, Rachel is, is quite upset. Rachel, right? Well, Michelle. 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 But actually, where is Rachel coming like, from? <laughs> because what? isn't there a Rachel, actually? Isn't that the one that... Uh, that John initially enters in with uh, Anita. Anita. That's right, yeah. Okay. So anyway, oh, wait, real quick. We, we skipped over the Al and Sam scene where oh, Al kind hey, of admonishes hey, Sam for like, yeah, for yeah, because it is interesting because you know Sam is usually the ladies' man and kind of a cad, and you know, and, and, this, and at this particular moment, uh, it, there's this kind of awkward scene, and it's and it's one of the scenes where I feel like it's intentionally awkward, not just awkward because we're watching it in 2017, 2018, um, but there's this moment where it's like Sam is kind of happy and like has that sort of you know you know the morning after kind of like I did this thing and Al is very much like no Sam what are you doing and that's when Sam has his outburst about like you know I can't have a life all I do is live someone else's life right their wrongs fight their rights you know I feel like I'm I'm not okay okay. yeah Yeah. Um, but it it, it is kind of an interesting moment because Al is 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 not on board with what Sam did Mm-hmm. Well, Al's from the future, and he knows how it is in well. 2018. <laughs> 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 He's heard the podcast already. Uh, yeah, right. Like, we're, like we're like, not like, I mean, it, it's weird because, like, the way Al is written sometimes, like, you could uh, you could also imagine, like, Al is like, yeah, right, you got laid last night. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Al says some stuff where I'm like, ooh. 
Ugh. Right, right. Ow. Right. I think it, Al feels, in this sense, more concerned that he's veered from the mission. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that he's also, there's also an element of concern for his friend. Not so much that he's doing the wrong thing, but that he's not doing something that's productive and yeah. something that could potentially even hurt him. Yeah. And this is also where we start to get that sort of like sulky teenager Sam that I was talking about. Sure. Because he's not happy about how he got pushed out of the rehearsal and now he can't be next to Nicole professing his love. Oh, yeah. Which is it, also interesting because think about this for a second. Sam, as Ray, as Don Quixote, is professing his love to Dulcinea, as Aldonza, as Nicole. Yeah. Like, the layers there. It's a Russian doll of <laughs> yes. yeah. And also to not uh, nerd moment to not yeah. give spoilers away. There's also a, a very uh, probably also a very strong reason why Al's encouraging Sam not to sleep with anyone. Oh well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, foreshadowing to yeah. a to a future episode. I don't know what that future episode is, but. I can guess what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, now we get back to the bar, like yeah. you're saying, and, and Sam is looking for... And, uh, yeah, but we, we get the thing where... Manny uh, and Michelle first. Yeah, Manny yeah. and Michelle. Like, Michelle is just really pissed off that that John, the lead actor, who really... He has no... Yeah. He, <laughs> he has no power or yeah. policy to he's be able to, to, to replace actors, but he said, yeah, let the... I, I guess if he's, like, the, the, role the away. famous guy, though, yes. they do have a little more sway. That's what I was yeah. going to say, yeah, because it is, it, 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 there's, it's clear that the director, stage manager, producer dude... Whatever he is, And the yeah. costume designer, cigarette-smoking lady, they are, are like... <laughs> yeah, she's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that the yeah. They, they clearly hate John O'Malley. Yeah. But... They are also very much like, well, if John O'Malley wants this, we'll do it for yeah. him. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because they're deflated at the top of the show, for instance, when Sam can't go on. Sure. Yeah. They're actually sad for him. They're like, oh, Ray, we thought this was going to yeah, be your big break. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, so bar scene, Manny and Michelle. Yeah, they, they're they plotting. are unhappy about that. Uh, but yeah, so then Sam shows up looking for Nicole because they were supposed to get together. And uh, that's like on the fly. Michelle hatches her diabolical plan, plan to, to 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 in short convince uh, Ray that Nicole has gone up to quote rehearse with John, and she even says, "Oh, don't worry, she won't be long." At this point, John can't last more than half an hour anyway. Oh, boy. Ah, boy. <laughs> you would know, Michelle. Yeah. You oh, would know. No. <laughs> yeah. So so Sam and she's about to go pro- oh, also also like again this episode Paul Brown what were you thinking man you threw in some pretty huh cuz basically Michelle has like prostituted herself to Manny in order to get Manny to play along with her plan yeah yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. so so Sam leaves and uh, and basically Michelle says one more thing when Nicole shows up tell her that I left with Ray and then come up to my room Yep. Which, I, which is interesting because I felt like she had enough power over him that she could have just been like, yep, and that's it. And go buy me a drink too. And he would have done it. But then she like does tell him to come up. I thought I was kind of surprised. Maybe she likes him. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's the true love story of this. <laughs> maybe, maybe that is. Yeah. Uh, so Sam goes up to John's room. There is a woman singing in the shower saying, uh, what does he want of me? Yep. And what does he like? Why does he not? <laughs> John comes out. Sam asks for Nicole. I heard you were rehearsing. And John. Nicole? 
He pours gin. Yeah. Hang out. Like one drink. drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah, with some gin. And then when, when Sam hears this woman singing, he storms out. And then Anita, who we very briefly met at the very beginning of the episode, she comes out. And this is where you talk about, like, at this point, John is sober. Yeah. And you could just, like, he just... Like, it's kind that's of chilling. Yeah. It's like, he's oh just a bastard. Like, in a moment, like, what am I going to do that's just going to devastate this man? Yeah, how quickly he yeah. realizes that what he thinks the other guy thinks is happening. And he just, like, falls into Michelle's plot without even really knowing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the thing, it's like, on one hand, like, you may think, like, oh, he's going to play a little joke because he's going to hang around long enough for Anita to come walking out. And he's going to realize right, he right. got the wrong thing. But then when Sam walked out, like, he didn't... No. Oh, no, he, he, didn't, he definitely he, wanted to piss him off. He didn't stop him. I have uh, this thing where I have trouble recognizing people, like, even <laughs> oh, my own I friends sometimes. Like, oh, God, yeah. And in movies and TV, it's, like, really hard for me to recognize people, especially if there's a lot sure. of characters who look similar. And so when Anita came out of the shower, I was like, oh, <laughs> and the longest time I was like, wow. And I was like, wait, what? And I kept getting all the Anita and Michelle and Nicole confused. I was like, wait, who's what? Who's with who? So as you're telling the story, and I'm like, oh. That makes way more sense. Yeah. I think I had to ask you. I was like, wait, have we seen this girl? Yeah, well, like, that's how we were. I mean, my friend was like, that's not Nicole. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Like, Very briefly at the beginning, like at the first party that they show, he walks up and they make it a point of him yeah. to like hug and greet her hello and call mm-hmm. her Anita. And we do see Anita like dancing on stage a little bit too, but, um, but this is the only time that she yeah. has lines, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she is a plot device. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of plot, Poor Anita. moving along. Mm-hmm. So uh, then the next day, um, we come to the, the, the mission, if you will. Yeah. Um, which is Sam has got to stop. John from falling down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, Sam gets into makeup and everything. No, we're, we're we're missing the scene where he's playing the piano and and, and Al, him and Al have this conversation, uh, where where Sam is basically sulking, like playing the mm-hmm. piano, like singing. Mm-hmm. I think like the Impossible Dream. Mm-hmm. And Al is like, "You're gonna save him." Like, no, let him break his neck. And I was like, "Well, yeah. you know, if you don't save him, you could still leave. Who wants to stay?" Yeah. And it's just like this really confused, like Al, like what. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, and this is the only time in the entire series where Sam just flat out says, no. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and again, like, yeah, we, we saw the beginnings of it earlier when he gets kind of shoved off stage. And it's it's like that trope. It's funny because um, obviously there are elements that we could talk about the production writer, creator of the show if we wanted to, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to talk about one specific thing about Buffy the Vampire Slayer real quick because um, towards the end of season two when Buffy and Angel finally have sex spoiler alert uh, it causes Angel to like lose his soul and he sure. goes bad again and now he's super bad and Joss Whedon had initially intended that to be the metaphor for like when a girl sleeps with a guy and the guy starts being an asshole and it like Sam gets what he wants from Nicole obviously he's still you know, has feelings for her and is pining for her and everything. I'm not saying he turns into a dick, but the minute he feels like he's been pushed away at all, he turns into this sulky teenager. Yeah. And, and, and like, from the minute he gets pushed out of the rehearsal to then, you know, going after looking for Nicole in John's room to storming out of the room when he thinks that she's in there with him to playing the piano and sulking without, like, it's very much this kind of, like, weird kind of regression for Sam where all of a sudden he is. He's like this 
you know, it's like, I don't care, I'll stay here, Al, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I would have thought that he would have, because clearly that guy's old and creepy and using his power and talent or whatever to get women to sleep with him, to, you know, lure them up to their room to rehearse, like, wouldn't he have been, like, more, like, going to save her, like, from this creepy guy versus, like, yeah. He actually thinks that she wants to sleep with him. Well, I think I, like when, when you when you regress to your like teenage self, to put it in a shorthand, like like he just yeah, thought that, that he'd been yeah he just been. I, but jilted. that's what I assumed when he very first went up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. thought he was going to kind of like prevent her from being in an uncomfortable situation, but he clearly he just didn't want her to sleep with him. But yeah. like versus like, did she even want? I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, not th- you're right. That's a good point. He's not thinking about her at all. He's no. thinking about yeah, yeah, getting his feelings hurt. Yeah, that would be 2018 Sam. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I guess in that time, that's just it was given that you would sleep with the guy to be able to get the role or something. Maybe he figured she would want to. Yeah, was there. Uh, yeah, so in the scene around the piano, when Sam tells Al that. Nicole rehearsed with John last night. Al does have a line that is very Al. Women, they just don't understand the double standard. What? what? Which I think what he meant, I think what what I've always interpreted that to mean is like Al is saying like no like men can sleep around, but women, like no like. Well, like, sure. Yeah, and well, in Thou Shalt Not, he kind of also kind of implies the same double standard, where yeah. it's like, where it's like, if everybody's got to sleep with whoever they wanted to sleep with, the world would be a much better place until their wives found out. And yeah, it's like, so, so it's like, like everybody, by everybody, you mean men, you mean men, yeah. you mean men get to sleep around. <laughs> you know, so yeah, mad when he thinks Tina's sleeping around on him, but right. then clearly he's. Yeah. Do whatever he wants. He yeah. is, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so now he, we get And he to, snubs Nicole as well. Like, oh, Nicole tries yeah, to, like, like, talk right to him, and he's like, yeah. he's like, hey, you know, whatever. Yeah, Shove no, my hands in my pockets Are you okay if that off. creepy old man molest you upstairs? None of that. Um, and then, yeah, again, so it looks like Sam might go on, and then here comes, you know, drunk John walking through, and as he goes up the set, like, and, and I will say, like, we've kind of talked about some of the thematic elements and ethical and moral dilemmas that the episode has raised for us as modern viewers but to speak a bit just about production in general the scene is actually done very well the tension of is, is Sam going to stop him or not going to stop him I sure. think it, it okay. plays out well um, and there's that sort of that moment will he won't he and then you know he just looks up at him he's like break a leg like oh <laughs> yeah. Sam uh, that way lies the dark side Sam that, that way is the dark side and a bad dad joke to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he is like a sulky teenager, which is interesting because it's like bringing him back to a time when he was a teenager, you know, right. the piano teacher. Having but, that trigger. Yeah, but he does. I was surprised by that. I was like, Sam. Right. And well, and then so John goes up and he stumbles on the first step, and you think, oh, is this going to be it? No, he's, he's fine, he's fine. And then he. <laughs> yeah. And then he finally he does fall. And Sam's watching the whole thing, mm-hmm. and Sam rushes in at the last moment to catch him. Of course, he falls too. And he's like, he's falling, yeah. you know, underneath them and everything. Um, Manny has come over at this point, 
Yeah. And, and like, costume lady has run in. Yeah. Cigarette dangling oh, yeah. from yeah. her mouth. Still, yeah. <laughs> and at this point, you got to think curtain is up. The audience has seen all of oh, this. Oh yeah. You've got the director, stage manager, producer guy, and cigarette smoking lady on stage as well. Like everybody's there, crowded around him. Mm-hmm. He gets up and he's like, "I am John O'Malley. I have gone on for seven hundred and thirty-six performances." I shall not. I shall not go on. Sally forth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sally forth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so now Sam is going to go on. We also get the piece of information um, that Manny drops to him. Yeah. That you know. They didn't take the pain. And also, yeah. we skipped over part like earlier in the dressing room. Oh right. Because Nicole, Nicole on the other side of this episode, is that. Ray had spent the night with Michelle exactly. and the costume lady says like no like Ray wouldn't touch Michelle with Dante <laughs> Lance. Lance yeah uh, yeah this so, is a gossipy episode uh, yeah <laughs> so this actually uh, my uh, the rest of my theater experience was really lame but my community college theater experience it was it was like this like yeah. everybody oh, yeah. there were love triangles and sure. quad angles and octagon yeah, yeah everybody was uh, I, I, there I, were the, I, the, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was, there was one performance of Charlotte's Web. <laughs> wow. Where, uh, what was the name? Um, I, I don't think the character really had a name. Like, Eli, one of the farmhands, was sleeping with uh, Templeton the Rat's girlfriend, who was one of the narrators. And so right before the performance, in costume... Templeton the rat walked up and tried to punch Eli the farmhand, <laughs> slipped in his Templeton the rat costume, and just like totally whiffed the punch. Oh my god. Oh man. There was, st- there was stuff like that going on in my yeah. community college theater department. I uh, So a couple of years ago, uh, I guess it was about two years ago, I went back to my school. Uh, they, they hired me to come in and, and play Edmund and King Lear, and so I went down there to do that and uh, brought back lots of memories. Let me just put it that way, that I was fine with just leaving uh, the past about, yeah. like, exactly what you're talking about. Like, who's who, who said what about who? Show who's sleeping with who? Yeah. Oh, you did what with where and who, when? And then, like, and like what professor did what? You know, like, just like, oh my god! Especially um, when it's, like, summer stock or college where you're just, like, in this little bubble of people. Yeah. yeah. You're the only people you ever see. Yeah. And yeah. it's, like, yeah. endless. Uh, yeah. Incubator for drama. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so, uh, last skeevy bus stop story to bring it home. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, we were getting ready, uh, like, we were, like, trying on costumes, and so, uh, Nicole, 14-year-old actor Nicole, she was in a dressing room trying on costumes. Creepy John O'Malley-esque drunk director no. comes in. He comes in, like, to the room adjacent, because it was, like, uh, the green room was in between the two dressing rooms and you can enter from either one. So, like, we're standing in the green room and the director comes in and he goes, hey, where's Nicole? And we're, like, we're all saying, like, she, you know, she's she's in that dressing room changing. And he goes to walk in the room. And he, he goes in the room. He opens the door. He pulls a Donald Trump and goes into the room while we're all shouting, she's changing, she's changing, she's changing. And he opens the door, looks at her changing, and goes, oh. Oh, my God. God. And then slowly closes oh, the door. God. Yeah, you told me that story before. Oh. That's terrible. 
You know, and I just thought in the back of my mind, we've gone two whole episodes without mentioning Donald Trump, and you just had to ruin it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, um, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, so, Sam goes on stage. Sam, Sam, <laughs> Sam. Sam goes that's right. Theater's gross. Um, yeah, yeah. So at this point, you know, now Nicole knows that that Ray, Sam did not sleep with Michelle. Manny then tells Sam that Nicole did not sleep with John. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, sulky teenager Sam has now become empowered actor Sam, who will tame the role of Don Quixote. (laughs) Yes. Um, And we get this montage, this musical montage. It's so long. It is long. (laughs) And it's like, that's why I was laughing. I was like, a little thin on plot this episode, but pretty heavy on Scott Bakula. Is a, is a singer writing to yeah, yeah. which He's again good, though. yeah he is he is you know again Tony nominated had done Summerside played Don Quixote before like I mean he you know, he, he had the chops for it without a doubt it's an interesting scene I as a kid as a, as a theater kid in particular you know in high school uh, I remember just being very attracted to this episode I think because of this these moments and just I'd be like yeah that's what I want to do and and I'm gonna you know and I've, I've done one musical because I'm not big for musical theater but anyway um. Yeah, so like, uh, uh, it, it, it left a mark on me, and I think even after watching the episode, I can safely say I do have fonder memories of the soundtrack medley, sure. which also has Scott Bakula singing The Impossible Dream, which obviously he does not do within the context of the episode because it's the finale Impossible Dream yeah. as opposed to the original Impossible Dream, which sure. he does sing, but this is the finale where all the other characters sing it to him as he's being let out. Um, which, that's the interesting thing, too, about this. It's another texture, layer, if you will, is that Man of La Mancha is a play within a play. Yeah. And we're watching a play within a play within a television show. Yeah. yeah. About a guy who's playing someone else, basically. Yeah. It, 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 it's kind of, you yeah. know... I mean, it's very, I mean, like, they very intentionally picked this one. Yes. Like, uh, like, yeah. uh, I had read this before, but, it's My Fair Lady. but it's also a match book. Yeah, they also toyed with the idea of My Fair Lady being mm. the... And then they decided, the no, 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 we gotta do Man of La Mancha because... All the connections. The parallels. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's interesting about the episode is as as it ends, there's that moment where Don Quixote is dying and he's in Dulcinea's arms, and Sam looks up at Nicole and says, I love you, Nicole, and she says, I love you, Ray, and it's this interesting moment where it's just sort of like, again, it doesn't excuse anything that's come before, but is that the moment where Sam gets it? Do you know what I mean? Like, is this the moment where Sam is finally like, right, this is, I shouldn't have done any of this. Now I gotta walk up those stairs and get out of here with as much uh, grace and dignity as possible. Oh, I didn't no. that. No, see, I, I always think like the like the like the sad, forlorn look uh, that he's walking up the stairs. Like by this point in the he series, he does take like three looks back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but by, by this point in the series, we've established like he has a pretty good sense of when he's about to leap. I think right. he knows when he gets to the top of the stairs, he's leaping. Yeah, and so yeah, he's dragging it out, and then he does. How, does he usually leap pretty quickly after the? completed his test. Yeah, sometimes, like, while it's kind of... Well, it's weird, because, like, the last episode we just talked about, like, the there was, like, the climax of the episode, and the and the denouement, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> however you pronounce it. Denouement? Denouement, okay, yeah. The denouement, like, obviously, from what they talk about in that scene, like, we're obviously, like, two weeks later. And he's been there the entire time. Although one could argue in that case, and so help me God's case, that his actual purpose was to give her the reader. Yes. Tell the teacher to read. And yeah. not actually, I mean, it was also, yes, to make sure she was not 
yeah, been convicted of murder. But but yeah, it, it, it is interesting because yeah, he has to complete the performance in order to actually leap out. Sure. Um, but he does. He completes the performance. Poor Ray didn't get to have his moment on stage. He didn't get to say I love yeah, you to Nicole or yeah. here Nicole. And now Nicole's gonna be like, Hey, Ray, I love you. And he's like, What? Yeah. Well, well now, well, well now to your point. Ray's gonna leap back in. She's gonna rush backstage afterwards because they just had this like really touching thing on stage. And Nicole's gonna be like, "Hey, want to get together tonight?" And Ray's like, "I, I, I ditched you after Juilliard." Right now, like, yeah. what? I thought I made it clear. I'm You're not super in here annoying. <laughs> <sighs> well, and, and then uh, he does. He does. He leaps out. He's in a cemetery in a trench coat. Gets his flashlight. Yeah. Looking around. Turns around. There's a woman in a white dress. Yeah. There's Deborah Pratt. Deborah Pratt. That's yeah. right. Oh, huh. Which, oddly enough, is not the only time we see Deborah Pratt this episode because there's a curtain call for this episode. It's for very strange. Yeah. You see Donald Belisario. You see Deborah Pratt. You see, you know, other people involved with the production. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the entire cast and, you know, everybody in... in yeah. Betsy and I were watching this last night and we got to this this very part right here she's like what the hell's happening <laughs> what like what, I saw someone what touch Al and I was like oh this is outside of the realm of the show yeah because obviously is... they see Al there so right. yeah. it's not Al it's like the funny like you watch it it's like there's some very 80s hairstyles and stuff yeah. going on from the production <laughs> style. Like, oh yeah, I thought it was hilarious that there's like two dudes that kind of look like Tom Selleck. Sure. I was yeah. just sort of like, oh, that makes sense because Magnum P.I. Yeah. Um, but Wait, the, I think I missed... What are you talking about? At the very... The last thing I saw was the cemetery. Uh-huh. Well, the, the, the closing credits, credits. Like, instead of doing like the, the few like stills and the theme song, oh. they actually did like, in, like in the actual curtain production ball, of the episode, yeah. like they had, they actually had like the production team do like a curtain call. Cast uh, photo. Like on the, on the set kind of thing. Gotcha. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah. Which platform did you watch this on? Hulu. Interesting. I wonder what they... I don't know. I don't know. Um, we might have just turned it off because we thought it was over. Sure. That could, yeah. yeah. So uh, going back real quick, one other thing I want to mention, which is very interesting because Dennis and I noticed it, and, and of course I think it's, you know, or no, not I think it is, it's mentioned in Matt's book as well. The the shot that they use yeah, we're the about stage the, uh, before, you know, uh, uh, Sam goes on for the final performance is the same shot from the very beginning of the episode, and the reason you know this is because Nicole, Nicole is standing on the other side of the stage in her purple dress, even though she's on stage as Dulcinea at that moment. Yeah. Um, which we normally don't mention goofs like that, but it just like, it's just something that kind of stuck out to us. So you're like, oh, how about it, that? It's television. It's a production. It's so, there you have it. I didn't realize, I, speaking of like different, I don't think we got one shot of Al in this episode walking through anything. Or I don't did something think we did the last episode or, or, either? Or did something? No, in the last episode, he he walks through the judge's bench at one point because uh, oh. Sam freezes up because he doesn't know what he's going to yeah, do, and yeah, Al shows that's up. Right, that's right. But this one, like, there may have been something where something like goes through him backstage at the top at of the show. Point, I think you're right, at the very but top yeah, we don't yeah. we don't get a hologram shot. No, in this one. So this was sort of like a unique episode of the. Uh, it was unique in the fact that Sam encounters someone from his own. Yeah, it's also unique because it is one of the few episodes that you know he doesn't have to save someone from dying. Yeah, uh, he doesn't have to ensure someone gets married, or you know, like there's there's basically like a few things that crop up again and again and again. Well, saving lives we didn't and also get any sense of like if he had fallen and broken his leg, like what would have happened? Basically, the same thing that did Ray would have gone on. Yeah, well, right. But Al does yeah, say right? that it would have ended. This is actually, it would have ended the O'Malley's fascinating career. thing. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. he's basically there to save John O'Malley's career. Gotcha. That's yeah. why Sam is there. Yeah, I don't, his career didn't seem it's like it deserved to be saved. Well, 
That is interesting now that we think about it. Yeah, like, yeah. what was the real... Like, it really deserved him leaping back just to help this guy not break his leg? Oh, well... So and you know, continue to harass more young actresses yeah. who take the role like it playing opposite him? And here's, yeah. a, here's another interesting thing about that, actually, is um, there are times when Sam has leaps where he thinks he's being rewarded for things, possibly. Uh, there, there are some things that are get that get set up in this second season in particular that I do think that pay off in interesting ways. Whether they were intended to do this or not, or they just were sort of like saying like, "Oh, well, we did this. Let's do this." I, you know, I'm not saying there was a master plan because that just wasn't TV at the time for the most part. Um, but there are some very interesting payoffs down the road, or things that make you kind of think back and go, "Hmm, was that you know, was that maybe this?" It's all fictional, so who the hell knows? But there is an element of like. Was this leap actually meant to teach Sam a lesson as opposed to, you know, oh, for him to save John O'Malley's career? Yeah. The yeah. thing yeah. is, uh, there, there is a lot to be said for that, but I, I don't, like, I don't know if he actually learned anything. Like, he got, he, I mean, you know, he, he got to, he got to have sex with his, with his teenage crush, crush. Uh, but I, I don't know if by the end of anything, like, he... I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, he, he does find out that he assumed wrong with what had happened, but, like, we don't have this moment of reckoning where he's like, oh, I, I made an ass of myself. Yeah. I, I need to do some thinking. So here's the weird thing that I'm going to say right now, is in spite of all of its flaws, I still kind of come out of the episode being like, I, like, I don't hate it. No. I don't hate it. And yet, I cannot, for any reason whatsoever, say that it's a good episode. It's just kind of blah, I thought. Yeah. Like, there's some problematic stuff, and there's a few things that are, like, potentially interesting, like, with his whole, like, I don't want to be doing this anymore, but it just, it wasn't very exciting. You know, it could be, like, like the set piece was they're doing Man of La Mancha. Right. Which makes this a unique episode by doing, like, a little mini musical. Right. Within mm-hmm. the thing. Uh, but then, yeah, the, the, the writing around it is kind of, Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. There is this one line that stuck out to me where Al says, um, it's not up to you, it's up to him. Mm-hmm. He points up. Is this, is there, do they touch on this religious stuff sometimes? Yeah, they do. It's, it's interesting you bring that up. In our last episode, we were talking a little bit about that because in the last episode, So Help Me God, uh, there there's a lot of talk about the Bible and religion about God. Um, okay, not a lot, but there's a bit. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's a chunk of it. And it is something that they've addressed in other episodes. The interesting thing is that, Dennis has mentioned this before, they really, at this point in the show's history, were kind of steering hard into the idea that it was God that was leaping him around. Now, as the show goes on, it becomes God, time, fate, or whoever. And I think that that kind of becomes the thing that, you know, the show is kind of known for or whatever. But yeah, at this point, it was definitely more like, God is doing this. And yet, there's no real sense of, like, I never feel like the show's preaching to you. I never feel like it. it it's... It's yeah. just assumed that, that it... it yeah, yeah. I, I I always felt like in in, in uh, putting like stuff like this in there, I always feel like the show was just pandering a little bit mm. to religious people because a show a show where a guy like goes around like putting putting right wrongs. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean it's a show like I mean it's highway to heaven with time travel. Yeah, I mean we talk. Yeah, we said it before. Yeah, this is a sci-fi highway to heaven. So I always felt like the the god thing was always just a little bit of pandering. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or somebody, one of the writers was pushing their own agenda a little, I guess, and feeling uh, like they wanted to put that in there. 
Yeah. Yeah, it just jumped out at me. I was like, what? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it is up to Sam. (laughs) 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 Is he going to catch that falling star or not? That's right. Catch a falling (laughs) star. Oh, Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, funny. I'm such an asshole. I'm pretending like I'm so smart. I just figured that out on the bus here. <laughs> I was like, oh, I get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's. I feel like it's one of those things that I'd known before, but it just like completely. It and now it's like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't. didn't it, but see, again, it reinforces the thing that he is literally there to save John O'Malley's career. Like that's what he was sent there to do. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, like, if you only have, you know, X number of missions that you're going to complete, is that really one of the most important right? things? Right? I don't know. And that's yeah. the, because the, because the show never really goes too far beyond, like, the, the, you know, the spider web or the ripples in the pool of what time travel would mean, it's fascinating, because, like, other times the stakes are high because it is, like, somebody's going to die or something like that. It's like, you get that, you know, or you need to save a marriage, or you need to make sure that this kid gets accepted, or whatever. Like, that stuff kind of makes sense. But this one is just sort of like... What on earth could John O'Malley have done <laughs> past 1979 yeah. that would warrant him and his career still being alive? You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't say, like, we need him because he... Yeah, does. but, you know, to bring around and talk about, like, last episode, he hung around for two weeks and didn't leave until he gave Lila the reader. Right. If he was truly just there to save John, he would have leapt out right after he saved John, and Ray Hutton would have come back just in time to perform. Yeah, maybe Ray kind of sucks. But because he rocked the show so much, now Ray is good. Yeah, you can say Ray's going to have some kind of opportunity. And everyone's like, well, he was good that one time, but (laughs) But then after that, he just kind of. Yeah. Yeah, he's helped Ray's career. Maybe Ray and Nicole stay together. I think really, though, it was just to showcase Scott Bakula singing. Yeah. And. And that's okay. Yeah. How would Nicole not be like, hey, Ray, remember how we slept together a couple nights ago? And then Ray would be like, what? And then wouldn't she have a lot of questions like after that? Like, yeah, they'd be like, no, that's you just know, like regular guys sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be like, or she'd be like, why are you being so weird to me? Yeah. She's like, that, that's weird. You did say you're not the same Ray. <laughs> play that piano thing again, Ray. Yeah. Uh, I can't play piano. What? <laughs> Wait a minute, are you a time traveler keeping your body? Yeah. Uh, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, anyway, on that oh boy note. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Brooke, thank you so much for joining us. It was so much fun, Yay. and I'm going to go home and watch so much Quantum Leap. Yay! Yay. I love it. Well, you are welcome back anytime. Yay. Yeah, especially if you, you know, if you do end up watching more and you see an episode you want to come back for, let us that, know. That you have commentary on. Yeah. How many seasons are there? Five? Yes, uh, five. Five seasons, 97 episodes. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, this is exciting. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yay! <laughs> there's some, there, honestly, there's some really good episodes in the second season, and I would even say if you wanted to like go back to the beginning of the second season, because there are some really great ones that we just we just did uh, episodes yeah. on, but there's still great ones coming up, too. Monica. I'm not a huge fan of the next one. I just feel like it's, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. But yeah, so next week we're going to be talking about a portrait for Troyan. Yeah. Portrait for Troyan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. All right, anyway, Brooke, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Jessica, thank you. You're welcome. I'll see you in about five minutes.
Five minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> I gotta leap out of here. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and on that, thank you. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.